Welcome to the Knock on Archery podcast, where we bring all archers and bow hunters together from all walks of life with the goal to educate, empower, and inspire you to be better both in the field and on the range. So, I, okay, um, I'm kind of curious, what was up with this whole U-Haul situation? Why'd you do that? Why'd you have to do <laughs> you that? starting the podcast with U-Haul? I mean, I don't know, we can. Okay, all right, I, dude, I saw so, that today and I was like, what's going on with that? Yeah, so you know, like, the influx of everybody that's just going to the west just i mean like tourists are just swamping so i tried to just book an economy car for seven days out of rapid city yeah 1600 bucks yeah so we did um we did the dealer tour for ultraview yeah we run in a car it was like 1500 bucks five days u-haul baby 1995 a day plus miles though right (laughs) yeah yeah i mean that that but i still got out for a third of the cost and it was pretty Dang. sweet too, dude. I was like yeah. rolling under the radar. I was just like yeah. passing cops, passing wardens. Everyone's just like, whatever, what dude. Up? Freaking yeah. go move your college beds and stuff. Yeah, seriously. Well, I <laughs> I'm mean, like loaded. Also, like when you speed when you have like fit a, in the back, nice. Yeah. Well, when you have a rig with like knock on or whatever all over it, people are just looking. You know, when you're hunting too. Yeah. Hey. Um, whoever the two dudes are that were that pulled up to a gas station in Buffalo, South Dakota, in a truck from Wisconsin, decked out in Sitka, and I think one of them had a B reel hat on. I'm pretty sure he did. They walked right by me, but I was in street clothes and in my freaking U haul, <laughs> and and they like just kind of glanced over, and I almost said like. It's freaking 90 degrees. Why are you guys here at right. freaking Screen, noon? Be real. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> That's total funny. screw up. I've seen so many times where I've gone into uh, gas stations because I've tagged out and mm-hmm. there's dudes in there like getting some drinks and chips and stuff yeah. at noon. And it's like, now's when you got to be in there. When you actually shoot them. Yeah. yeah. On yeah. water. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, I shot mine at like 11.30. It was spot in stock, though. They were, I saw that photo. Yeah, I was surprised because you really don't do that normally. Which one? Oh. Spot in stock. You like always blind hunt, I thought. Mm, no, I do everything. A little bit ball. Yeah, if you're early season, like the blinds are your best bet. Yeah. And a couple people made the comments of that, but here's my philosophy. If you're limited on where, like, what the amount of area that you can hunt, mm-hmm. it's kind of like elk. There's times where, yeah, I could chase elk all day, but I could also chase them out of the country and I could chase them out of the small piece of ground that I have, or mm-hmm. I can be very, very like, I can tread lightly right. and kind not like white tail hunting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My hunting philosophy yeah. is always the same. Very little track, like it is least of an imprint as you can put the better off you are like for days to come and a lot of times mm-hmm. it takes days you know yeah i was talking to um the go hunt guys about elk hunting the other day and they were saying how they kill a lot of their bulls just like sitting on a wallow yeah like, totally like screw hiking around and calling just like literally just sit on a wallow if you want to keep big stuff in the area that's what you do if yeah. you hunt good places with a lot of animals where that freaking stew is turning nonstop and mm-hmm. you know there's always something different just blowing through the area then right for sure really like you're matter. okay yeah. but where i was at i was in like i was in like a two mile section or you hunting private i was on private but it was only a two mile section mm. yeah. so 
if I would have blew the goats out of that area, you're done. Yeah, because I had a two mile section that there were goats, which in. is like nothing for goats. Like exactly, they run across it, exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. antelope are like one thing I've said is like. Antelope are pretty interesting in South Dakota and Montana in that they're very specific to, like, little pockets. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you drive from from Belfouche north all the way up to, like, Buffalo, mm-hmm. there's, like, tons of goats right when you start, and then there's, like, none for a long, like, for an hour, there's none. Mm. Yeah. Or maybe one or two. But then there's air, there's like pockets. Pockets. Yeah, where yeah, there's I shot, density. I shot one last year right up there. I'll have to see where you were. Where were you at? Like right up there. I'll <laughs> 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 we'll to see without dropping a pin right on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was tough. Like we, I shot a, uh, a whitetail in North Dakota on like afternoon one. So we are like, screw it. Let's just go buy an antelope tag. Yeah. You know, and then we just went and, and two, we shot one. It took two days, but it was like rough spot and stock just walking all over the place until we just like stumbled on him and did you it was he bedded or anything total spot and stock uh it was like a little bit of little he wasn't bedded he was like moving and it was right at last light when they can't mm-hmm. see very well you know yeah. so i kind of got lucky yeah <laughs> shot him like 85 yards but um i had one opportunity that was like 30 yards and i popped up like right over and it was like oh he's right there and then and then i drew back and he saw the top of my cam and he's yeah gone. but it's like literally you need like you know what's weird is whenever you go over those rocks, I actually made that mistake on a goat. Um, I, like, came around a corner, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, there's a goat. Yeah. And I, like, back back to say, like, there's a goat right there. Yeah. But I think if I would have if I would have covered all my corners like a tactical team, right? you know, mm-hmm. to where I'm, I'm like, there could be a goat there. If I would have drew back and came around, yeah. he, he would have looked at me long enough to make a shot. But shot once him. I gave movement and then came back and then came, he was like. So this. my deal was um, Mitch was filming me, and I, like, went up and went down and then turned. It was like, hey, like, you know, right. <laughs> that, that's me, That's dude. the problem. Yeah. And then I, like, turned around, and I just, like, in one motion, like, turned and drew. But if I was just, like waited another second I was like oh okay like to be a little more stealthy about this yeah. you know i would have but anyways goats are super frustrating yeah we had so it had been pretty much a drought out there super hot and yeah. i was pumped and i called about a week ahead of time because I, I i've got a farmer out there and i sent a couple blinds oh nice and uh and most everything was dried up so they said listen there's only really two spots Nice. that have water so you good. should be good to go yeah and they said it's so hot like it's really hot so i packed core light pants and like a core lightweight top like that was it that's all i packed <laughs> really in, in my hex and seven pairs of underwear and socks right that's to rotate <laughs> yeah and i had like in like what a backpack yeah i had my range pants and the t and I had three t-shirts, the one I wore there, and like a couple other ones I'd wear at camp. But I went really light because I just wanted one bag. Yeah. Um, and the first day, I'm like, let's just shoot a while, let's get sighted in, and the, and there was a chance for rain. And then all yeah. of a sudden, we woke up in the morning, and it's like chance of rain, ninety five percent. So we went out the first morning and literally get in the blind. It gets light. And there's a buck that ended up being the biggest buck I saw the whole time. Mm. There was a buck that was 
that came by the blind at 50 yards. And I thought like he was angled right to this. There's like a buried water tank that they were having to manually fill for the cattle. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Dang. And I'm like, he's coming in. He's coming in. Let's just so like, even, like honestly, I said, I said, let's just, let's milk some footage. Right. Infamous right. last well, words. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm like, because I didn't want to have a 20-minute hunt. Like, we're... You'd just be done. There's yeah. 40 seconds of footage of the of the antelope, and then... Production has saved so many lives. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, has. Buck comes in the food pot. You're like, ah, just, like, film him for a while, and then, like, a dough blows, and then you're done. You're like, ah. That's what it was. He oh. ended up coming, 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 and then all of a sudden this little dinker came running in and, like, got between him in the water and then he didn't like it so he ran that thing off mm. and then he kind of forgot that he About wanted to drink yeah. it, they're kind of like turkeys in a way they're pretty you, stupid but they're smart do you feel so. like they have that kind of that super add turkey turkey mentality well, of like yeah we've had i've had a couple of experiences where it's like they just start running like why <laughs> yeah, they just start running and it's like okay they well, do like like 500 yards away and you're like great all right there yep. goes that stock that's totally it well yeah i ended up not shooting that thing at 49 yards i was ranging i'm like 49 and i i had caleb Which with me fine oh yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and i said yeah 49 and i said dude he'll he's just gonna come right in let's just let's just like make this textbook thing you yeah. know mm-hmm. and then he Ended up running off of that sucker, and then within three hours, it started raining. I mean, I posted some of that yeah, stuff. That, it, yeah. it was there was white caps on a water tank. It was like that, and then it rained two inches in a day. Then the next day, it rained off and on, but was Jeez, really so cold. You just got screwed. Yeah, I was yeah. I was like shivering in the blind because I just had like wet. Right. Pretty yeah, much the lightest stuff sick and made. Yeah. yeah, and and it was it was chilly, and and then the third day, the no, the second day, it actually wasn't that bad, but it definitely had on and off rain, and it was kind of windy, but not bad. I did shoot a coyote actually. Oh, nice. Um, I shot a coyote that came in, but we kept having these antelope. I went to another spot because I'm like, as wet as it is here, let me try another spot. So I went to another spot, and at that blind the antelope kept like crossing the road, but they kept stopping in this farmer's like long driveway. It was a farmer Mm. that we couldn't hunt. Right. Our kind of our fence went right to the edge of that driveway. So at the end of the night, I said, those things are crossing the same spot on that fence. Yeah. Let's go over there and look. And I said, I wonder what the heck they're crossing for. And then when we drove over there, there was like a hundred yard puddle in that dude's driveway and the antelope were drinking there the (laughs) whole day. And we sat 14 hours kind of like they were, they were within 150 yards. Yeah. And I'm just like, they're going to come. They got a drink. They got a drink. (laughs) We couldn't even see it. And if we wouldn't have went in in the dark, we would have saw it and just been like, well, this is a bust. Like in the morning you're saying, Yeah, 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 yeah. So then the next day, uh, 20 mile an hour winds, no 20 minimum gusting to 40. So Caleb and I both, yeah, Caleb and I, we sat 14 hours. Caleb and I both had a foot on like, like some rods in the, oh yeah, because it was like shaking so hard that stuff was looking at us. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty freaking interesting. So I'm glad I didn't go. Well, I was thinking about doing a hunt early and it's just like ah. well if you would have been there opening day 
Well, it would have been no, because really South Dakota opened after Montana. So I had I had two tags, one on the Montana side and one on the South Dakota side. Oh, really? So I, that's why I was in Montana first, and then I did then you I, kill two? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, nice. So, um, so the first one, spot and stock, we hunted there that w- super windy day, and then it got really hot. And I thought, okay, this is the day that something's going to go down. Mm-hmm. We ended up having. Uh, a buck come by at like 91 yards. And then he did exactly because we had sat so long. I kind of posted this today because we sat so long in one place, you start to develop a pattern Mm. and you start to see they all exited this field kind of in the same corner. They like to cross in the same spot. Mm. And then they went out into the sage flats and there was, um, like I said, there was two sections. One section was the, the hay field we were in. The other section was sage flats. Hmm. So, like, if I would have just went out there and bombed around in the sage flats, Probably they would have all been it. gone, and I would have oh, never yeah, saw yeah, them yeah. where I was at. It was so flat, too. But this one went over. He was by himself, and we were glassing a lot. And, honestly, a lot of stuff had moved out of those two sections. There wasn't a lot there. And so this one went out there and kind of went out on his own. Mm-hmm. So we got out. We went along the edge of this field, and then there was, you know, those cool, like, butte-looking things yeah. where they're all, like, it's kind of, yep. like, dinosaur country or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I almost got on one down in there, too. I feel like if you spot and stock, you got to find one that gets down in there. That Well, that's yeah. what he did. He went mm-hmm. down one of those little deals. So I went down here and just started hugging the edge of that wall mm-hmm. and just going around and peeking around corners and peeking around corners. And we came around that last corner, and it was perfect because there was big sage bushes on the top of the embankment. Yeah. So I kind of just poked through the, oh, sa- right. the sage up. bushes, yeah. and I seen him out there. And he kind of went and went down through this creek, and he went through this little, like, you know, there's those little washout yep. draws, which mm-hmm. are perfect for navigating. And he went over, through a few of those, and then he went up and he bedded, like, right by this. Oh, really? He bedded down. He bedded nice. in the open, but by the only, like, big, and I'm, you know, it's not, it wasn't huge, but by the brush. only big sage bush. Yeah. And it was like, direct, like, when I was looking at him, it was right behind his head. So I'm like, if I can come at him from straight behind. And that's the only way you can do with antelope because I can literally see, like, all the way around. Yeah, like 300 yeah. degrees or something. Yeah. So we uh, we got down in this little washout thing and got to a point where Caleb could just post up with his long lens and mm-hmm. just, and just Is like, that where that photo's from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the yeah. footage, actually. It's just oh. a screen grab from the footage. Nice. And so then I, I just did this, like, huge button hook all the way around and luckily there was a few cows by him because Mm. otherwise you know how you'd never know where the hell you were after you make this like mile yes a reference point yeah Yeah, so when i came up i could see the cows and then i just started going and i looked looked and all of a sudden i just seen the tips like right at the top of that sage bush and i had to shift over about a hundred yards to just use that as my blocker and then i just went right to him Got to 31 yards, drew back. Oh, wow, you're close. Yeah, drew back, and I thought, okay, I'm going to peek around this. And I kind of felt like, because I was keeping that bush blocking us. Mm. And I thought, I'm going to peek around, and he's probably going to see me and pop up quick, and it's going to have to be, like, real fast. Mm. So as I, like, come around to peek around, his whole body's there bedded, quartering away. It's perfect. Like a bed, doesn't even look. literally like the bedded McKenzie buck target. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. So I was just like 
freaking Done. 30 yard pin in the white corner pocket mm. and just shot him right in the corner pocket and out nice. like right in front of the shoulder and he went about 50 yards and piled up and it was cool because Caleb was able to fill yeah, it that, from yeah, there. Yeah, that's cool. And the, then the other one was a uh, water hole. So just came right in and shot him. Followed the does in, all the does and, and fawns drank, and he just kind of stayed out there, kind of leery. And then I ended yeah. up having to pop him at like 36 yards, kind of on the trot. Yeah. Antelope hunting, I feel like if you, if you like master antelope hunting and master like mule deer and whitetail, like they all have their own little slice of pie because mm-hmm. like antelope hunting teaches you like so much. Like your stalking skills got to be like insane for vision. Yeah. While like other animals, vision isn't as important as like you know like everything else. You know, yeah. elevation and all that jazz. That's why axis like axis where oh, they're native yeah, is like such Hawaii. is such a polishing tool. Yeah. Because like if you can kill an axis, that's freaking wired and woke you can kill anything yeah because their vision their vision is as good as an antelope just because there's normally more of them and they're all looking around right, you're dealing with 20 yeah yeah and and you're also hunting with like that pineapple scrub which is very yeah. similar to like sagebrush okay but if you can kill if you can kill that stuff then yeah, yeah. A, a hog or mm. White tails are still tough. I think They're white tough. white tails west of west of the Missouri River. I think start to get a little bit, you know, easier, dumber. Well, they just have less people. I don't know if it's dumber. I th- yeah, I think it's just mm-hmm. they're not as wired. I mean, yeah, growing up in Michigan, it's like freaking stupid. Oh, <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah, if yeah. you could shoot a spot and stalk whitetail in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, or yeah, because you like grew up Michigan, yeah, yeah, that good luck or yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, I mean, I think growing up in Michigan and like learning how to whitetail hunt, one made me like realize how smart whitetail actually are. And then to appreciate like a big deer, <laughs> like those two things. Like I still have never shot like a Pope and young deer in Michigan. Like, I've only shot like 110 inch, 100 inch. I don't know if I've ever shot a P and Y in um in Mississippi. Actually, I'd have to really think back because yeah, I'm a like, Mississippi native. So yeah, it's tough. But like coming out here, it's like a joke, you know, or anywhere yeah. else in the Midwest, it's just like gnarly. Well, I don't know about like what's funny is. Where I had lived in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, if you shot 135 or 140 inch deer, it was a good. big deal. Mm-hmm. But you could drive 25 minutes and they wouldn't shoot that. You know, right. mo- you know, if you were if you were a whitetail hunter doing homework and had some property, right, like go down to Buffalo. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you went to mm-hmm. Buffalo County, you're talking like 150s yeah. is kind of like a benchmark. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, if you shot a 130 or 135, it was a pretty big deal. Or even Oh yeah, like up by Eau Claire and stuff. That's you know, it might as that's well be big Michigan. Country, yeah. Is it Eau Claire? Eau Claire? Yeah, yeah. that's oh. right close to Buffalo County. I think it's just on the north side of yeah, it. Yeah, well it's pretty I'm saying okay, so in general, like northern Wisconsin compared to southern Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. I think after Buffalo County, when you start to hit those big woods, like kind of it's where totally you're totally yeah. different. I went turkey hunting over there this year and I was like, um, like wolf tracks everywhere it was like Are, have they I was moved like, in? is that a wolf track and like my buddy that lives up there he's like yeah that's a wolf track I'm like holy cow so where i lived um i lived in in uh cataract which was just north of sparta and i oh, lived yeah. kind of on a private road that was 
kind of the end of our property, we were exactly one mile as the crow flies from the north impact area of Fort McCoy. Mm, yep. And so I supposedly like they would never confess to it, but from what I thought, I think they let some wolves There's go. There's freaking wolves down there. And, I know people that got them on trail cameras, like and, southern Wisconsin. Yeah, and I had seen them, and no one, like, and one of my one of my buddies worked for the DNR. His name is mm-hmm. Thomas Herman. He worked for DNR, and I told him there were two things I saw. One, 100% saw a mountain lion, and he, like, kept yeah. sending me pictures of a bobcat saying, mm, dude, just this bobcat. is really what you saw. And I'm like, yeah, bobcats no. don't have tails, bro. Right. Like, when you see a cat with a with a freaking long ass six foot tail, you know. yeah. it's not a like. There's just a very very different thing. And yeah. then then a big black bear, which everyone knew those were there already. But yeah. then I also saw a wolf. And yeah, I've talked to someone since then, and there's, they said, "Dude, the timber wolves have kind of gone crazy up here." There's wolves. Yeah, the moment wolves get into like lower peninsula, Michigan, it's like game over. I feel because <laughs> they got into the upper peninsula and just absolutely trash the deer hunting. What part of Michigan were you from? I uh, like Lansing, like just outside of Lansing. It's like South Central. So when of. I drove there, well, we came from. Oh you yeah, when from, you went to Boyne. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we came over. Kind of went through South Bend and all that. You hugged the lake all the way up, probably the west know, side. I th- yeah, I think I feel like we went a fair. Yeah, we went like past South Bend and then we went straight up. Oh, you might have went through Lansing then. Okay, have you ever seen that big ass um, hotel? It's not a hotel. It's like a living community that looks like a big ass castle. That LARPing community. What? It was right off the freaking LARPing road. community. Dude, it oh, looked like wow. freaking this, is, this Ga- is new news to me. I don't know. Yeah, it looked like freaking Gandalf's lair. Really? And I was like, what the freak well, is there's that? There's a lot of like really big churches and stuff. No, dude, this was no. There's a difference between <laughs> Where was that a at? church what, in what medieval part? times. It was probably, I would guess, a third of the way up. Okay. But okay. I but I when we were driving, I told Sharon, I'm like, look up. I said, that's a freaking LARPing place. I know. How it. would you know that? You remember? Uh, I I would be. <laughs> I'd freaking shoot some some fake arrows at people. Yeah. Or real ones. Yeah. But uh, she looked it up, and yeah, it was like Michigan's largest LARPing community. Really? And it was like. <laughs> that's nuts. <laughs> and it like had photos of it and There's, some Yelp reviews and yeah. looked pretty solid. I thought interesting. In there. Yeah. Eh, well, I might have been a member at one point. <laughs> Don't look up that history. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool things in Michigan though. Um, like hunting's not so great, but there's a lot of hunting opportunities, you know? And that, was that your first time in Michigan? Yeah. Last year, nice. last year we were scheduled to go, but when they rebooked it, it, yeah. it overlapped my, a mule deer hunt that I just couldn't yeah, change. Cause I think they were last weekend of August last year. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, up in Boyne is, it's freaking awesome. Like the weather's always perfect and like, it's just, it's a cool is it, is it good all the time up there? Um, so I freaking love, I yeah. actually really, and granted, everybody that we saw was awesome. Yeah. But Michigan surprised me. Like when I went to PA, I knew what I was getting. Like I knew PA well, is like going to have the biggest a, one. Yeah. They're yeah. going to have a bunch of freaking bow hunters and, you yeah. know, and, and, and I've done a lot out there. Like I've competed in, P- in PA, yeah, there's a lot and, of stuff. Yeah, PA, so like yeah. I expected what PA was going to be, but for yeah. Michigan, like that far up, I thought this will be interesting to see what happens. 
And it's been damn, it's Michigan, been you came to party, dude. Yeah, like, it's been growing a lot too. And I think like compared to a lot of like the vendor villages and the setup, like Michigan's like right there in like a tight knit area and the practice range and everything. It just lays out super nice. Yeah, it was super cool. I, I, I love the fact that everybody that came there, like there were dudes that were saying, yeah, we got, you know, a deer roast on, it's smoking. Oh, nice. or, And then I'll, I was like, man, that sounds freaking good. And they'd tell yeah. me what it was like. And then next thing you know, they'd be over at the booth with like a plate of food oh, really? all wrapped up. Yeah, and nice. And um, I talked there on, I think, Friday night or Saturday night. And just like seminars? Yeah, yeah, well, kind of. I did a thing for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is what oh, it was. Gotcha. So I kind of just talked about the importance of that and then did some Q&As. Nice. They were just really active. And it was just cool to see, like, even the groups, when I shot with all the groups, mm-hmm. the like the freaking – like the camaraderie between the groups and the yeah. and the freaking the trash talking was yeah. right up I my mean, alley. I mean, you get a lot of a lot of like good old boys like closer to you know like Detroit area and everything. There's a lot of bow hunters in Detroit. Yeah, and there's a lot of pro shops down there. Yeah. Oh yeah, like my home pro shop is like closer to Detroit and everything. Which one was your home one? MJC Archery. Oh, was it really? Jim Morrow. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Shout out to Jim. Yeah. Dang, dude. I think Jim was the first Matthew shooter. Am I right? I don't know if he was the first. He was within the first 10, I'm sure. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like, I mean, I he's think, been with them forever, I know. I think Morrow might have been, like, one of the first, and then Frank Russ was right there, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. But, yeah, he was kind of – he was the person who, like, taught me back tension. And I, had, I had some, like, coaches at the beginning, but he was, like, the first, like, where I went to get lessons and all that jazz. Is he still getting after it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still owns a shop himself. Yeah, he it? owns one still. He had two shops, and he condensed down to one. That's pretty cool. Over in Royal Oak, so different. It's like you're coming in at a really cool time. Who for, me? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're. I mean, you've been in for a while, but you're actually like starting to kind of carve out your area at a really. Yeah, I, I think a cool time for archery, but more importantly, I think an important time for archery because, you know, it was like there were so many like board meetings and stuff that I would go to where there was kind of this. It wasn't negative, but to me it was of like, well, statistics are showing that there's such a decline. Yeah. And so, you know, in, in license sales and the, you know, the average age is going to be this and in 15 years. And so it was like, okay, well, we like kind of negative Nancy's and like, yeah, just, I mean, and honestly, maybe archery was coming to a point where a lot of the very active people were, you know, kind of past that prime of the age of a, TV. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, probably. you had like TV is finally and, and you jumped off and like I never jumped on, but it's like, yeah, yeah. but TV, it was like, I mean, it's still like semi relevant, but overall, like that time is come and gone, yeah. you know, and I feel like there's that whole demographic that their mindset and everything in there, it's just, it's stayed the same, you know, like they never, they never dove into into really like spreading archery in the outdoor space and yeah. all of these new spaces and media outlets and everything. Um, it was kind of like bow hunting was, it was very, um, I don't know. It was in a way very in your face for people that weren't hunters right. because it was like, you know, 
like bow hunters, I think like back to like the Fitzgeralds and stuff. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I you know, know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Old, Whereas old now it's it's very it's very like trendy, and there's a lot there's like a whole new generation jumping in. Yeah. And it's not just for trophy like for killing big trophies. Mm-mm. And I'm I'm really pumped. Um, I actually about six months ago I got um, back involved with the Pope and Young Club. Nice. Because they've they've got new they've got a younger generation moving in mm-hmm. you know and and given good advice to to say like listen we need to be more than just a score like yeah. and i've i've never scored anything i've ever shot like you've been you've actually been to my house yeah you've got skulls laying everywhere well and not all of them not all of them, you yeah, know because i'm a lot because i'm not like i'm not a trophy person i don't have like score sheets laying around mm-hmm. or or anything like you that. just happen to live in iowa yeah <laughs> well i like i like shooting big stuff don't big get me stuff. wrong yeah. but i also i'm not like gonna post a score to like the 16th of an inch or whatever yeah you know whatever it goes see i'll i'll do that but i've only killed like two or three like big things and so far that'll change how old are you 24 but but yeah i i mean I, growing up in michigan like literally like i was saying like i'll just smoke the first eight point that walks by and i'll still do that like my everything is like state dependent on standards and everything and i'll still like if i go home to michigan i'll just smoke an eight point because mm-hmm. that's as good as it's gonna get yeah. you know but i think at least like my audience and everything like people relate with that a bunch like this ain't tv we're mm-hmm. not going to you know the best places in the entire world and neither is 95 percent of the people watching or the community you know so it's like i go smoke this deer here but then we go to iowa and it's like okay well the standards in iowa are this yeah standards and here you're not gonna that. shoot a 135 here I mean, you could. <laughs> <laughs> I might. You might. <laughs> Not that you say that. But um, the other thing, too, is there's a whole different element when, you know, we do try to get a lot of content. You yeah. know, we try. So that's the other thing. It's like you have this pressure, and then you just end up, people end up just shooting stuff to get stuff on film. Well, yeah, you're limited on where you're at for how long you're there. So yeah. it's like, okay, am I going to pass up an opportunity on day two or three to try to shoot something that is 10 inches bigger. And I don't know if it's going right. to be as good or, I mean, I'm to the point where I feel like if the, sh- if I'm, if I'm very confident in the shot, I'm just, I'm a hundred percent not a trophy owner anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a time where I was a little bit worried about like, it's gotta be sh- big. Well, you know, the other thing that's different too, which I think is positive, especially for, you know, your generation coming in. Yeah. I wanted to say mine, but I realized, like, my hair is as gray as your T-shirt. But mm-hmm. um, so there was a time where the only the only way you had exposure in archery was if you made a catalog. Yeah. You know, and that, and that was the only way. And mm-hmm. so you submitted photos. You know, you would have to send photos into place and – if you were one of six people or 10 people that made a catalog, it was a big freaking deal because everyone that was the only time people saw that this guy shoots big stuff. So, right. I mean, there was, there was kind of a, a game of you want to shoot something good enough to where, you know, that photo would make a catalog. Right. Because that was kind I of mean, your only relevance. Otherwise like- there wasn't even, 
great websites. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, I still, I mean, personally, I still feel that pressure. Like you just see on like a business standpoint, when you kill big stuff, like stuff does better. Like you yeah. post videos of a big deer, it does better than a small deer. Yeah. And you know, so it's like, you look at that and you're like, okay, well, Let's just, you know, we'll try our best to shoot something big, you know, but there's always that fine line. Like, I'm not in a position to be, like, a trophy hunter or anything. Like I said, I literally got lucky last year with that big one. Yeah. It's freaking public first day. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just such a fine line. Like, the general public, like, some people are just, like, so obsessed with trophy hunting and some people just don't care. Yeah. Some people are so new that, like, and, the, like, the new people, too, when they see all these guys – and they just are shooting big deer, then they feel like they can't shoot small deer, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, they feel, they feel like threatened or lesser or or like they can't do that. So they just give up, you know, but it's like, it's okay to shoot a spike. You know, it's like, if you see a six point in a spike, like all month long, you should be shooting a six point in a spike or whatever it is. I just really like the movement that's happening right now with people wanting to know where their food comes from. And that's, and that's a, and that's a, and, and honestly, um, so probably two or three weeks ago, Traeger went public. Oh, which, I didn't know that. Yeah, which was a really big for the company. And um, I actually found out about it from uh, from Jeremy, you know, who's the president. And okay. I told Jeremy, I said, uh, I said, Traeger has been so important. Like, it's it was the most important thing to happen to the outdoor community. Because no one ever, the only thing bow hunting as a community showed was killing it, killing it, killing Mm -hmm. it, killing it. And Traeger literally 100% paved the way for grilling it. And and it it made... cooking wild game which you can dry out really fast it made it Mm -hmm. easier yeah that's true too. so i told those guys i'm like you were such a critical component to like bow hunting Mm -hmm. and honestly hunting in general to getting a better rep yeah i will um i will uh for sure agree with that because uh like my girlfriend she's a big hunter but she always has like kind of liked it you know but Mm -hmm. not really liked it and i bought one uh early this spring because like i just want one you know and uh and I started cooking on it, and she's like, oh, this is really good. And I'm like, yeah, and it's also stupid easy. Yeah. You know, like, it's yeah. just literally, like, throw it on. But, yeah, when you um, when you think of Traeger and stuff, you definitely think wild game. And I think it yeah. definitely has um, – we were just – Mitchell and I was just actually talking about this because we were looking at it like a Traeger logo, and it's like, yeah, they're brand, you know, like they really have done a good job. Yeah, oh, yeah, know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've they've really set the way of yeah. – of, for that product category, they've led the way. Yeah, well, there really wasn't there wasn't anyone dominating like the high end wild game mm-hmm. cooking market. Yeah, period. You know, and what was cool about that was um, actually Tyler Stark uh, mm-hmm. had done some stuff in the outdoor in the outdoor world with like wall tents and stuff, and mm-hmm. he actually knew another buddy of mine. Um, who I'd worked with, who was a design person at UA at the time. And then uh, Zach ended up leaving, and somewhere along the lines, he ran into, into Tyler. And Tyler uh, was was working with this, like, outdoor kind of wall tent company and stuff, mm-hmm. like with super high-end wall tents. And then right. he went to work with Traeger because uh, Denny, who had been there, was someone that uh, Tyler had worked with, I think it's Skull Candy. Could be getting all this oh. really wrong. Mm-hmm. 
But um, when he came in, they were like, hey, let's do Traeger Outdoors. And luckily, somehow that conversation came up with Zach close by, which is a miracle because Zach is like the man of mystery. Like he every every time he posts, he's in like, you know, just having a beer in Shanghai or then like, you know, he's Zach, in freaking who's, who's Hawaii. Zach? His name's Zach Leader. Oh, but he's like, is he a Traeger guy? No, he wasn't. He oh, was, okay. he was kind of on his own, but okay. he knew Tyler. So mm-hmm. Tyler was saying, Hey, I want to grow the outdoor side. Like who are some of the people? Yeah. And he, and Zach had actually came out to uh, my house for a big, for a big hunt one time. Mm-hmm. And I cooked on like a big, a big ass, like wood, like pot thing. Oh, okay. Like at, at camp. And yeah. I, and I mean, I think I had like 10 pounds of asparagus on this, a great, and just right. a whole bunch of meat and stuff. The whole and nine. He, and he's like, Dudley's Dudley loves cooking wild game. You should hit him up. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it that. started. It, have you, have you always liked cooking and stuff? Not until the Traeger. Okay. I was going to say, I think you, you've like dove deep. Yeah. Like yeah. Recently. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I've gone full in. Yeah. But that's like good. prior to that, like, I mean, I was, I was very, like, I wouldn't cook a cool meal for like a lady coming over. Right. Cause I mean, when I learned to eat so that I could like maintain muscle mass, Mm. it was from Frank Zane, who was like, you know, a Mr. Olympia. So honestly, I would, I would cook like a two pound hamburger block. Meal prep stuff. No, I would just cook a two pound hamburger block, like a venison giant just, patty. Yeah. It was like a freaking Carved sausage, out. like poor, poor I, man not steak. much smaller than that. And yeah, I would just, I would eat like two pounds of ground hamburger, like ground like venison stuff. No, dude, yeah, that's all I'm, you would eat. I'm telling you what oh I'm eating. <laughs> I would just eat these blocks Sick. of meat <laughs> and just, great. and just horse them down. And huh. then, um, Pizza's kryptonite, like yeah, yeah. You are a pizza guy. I've noticed that. Yeah, I can crush a pizza a day. Yeah, yeah. I can do one a day. I could do. Well, I grew up eating one a night. I would take one to bed every night. My mom bought seven really? pizzas a week, and she would like, like make the me oven one. pizzas. Oh yeah, tombstone pepperonis oh, yeah. just got blasted. Yeah. Now I've kind of moved on. There's some good ones at Costco. There's some uh, yeah. cauliflower crust ones that are pretty bomb. Mm. But uh, yeah, pizza is. Kind of, your kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll fall off the the clean wagon. Yeah, well, you can cook those on a Traeger too, probably. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know what ones are good is the Papa Murphy ones on the Traeger. Oh really? I haven't heard of those. Well, they're like the pre ones. You have to cook them yourself, but okay. they like make them right there, and then they oh. come on that cardboard thing. Dude, you should grab one on the way out of town. Oh really? Oh, do they have them up? Yeah, up here? and you can cook oh, okay. them, and then you cook them until they like till they're three quarters of the way done and like you can see the dough starting to mm. lift off that little sheet thing they have okay and then you can slide that off to like crisp it it's pretty you've done that a time <laughs> Dude, or two i might do it when we're done <laughs> yeah pizza pizza is like my go-to place but no i just yeah. um i honestly started um i started recognizing how much better i feel when i eat clean yeah um which isn't an antelope camp by the way like i'd destroyed some chicken and a biscuits yeah it's really never in any camp nearly um uncrustables yeah going down yeah chicken and a biscuits going down let me see what else cheese it's like the sharp <laughs> cheddar cheese it's yeah. i can destroy, destroy those some? oh yeah 
Yeah, I just ordered a bunch of snacks on Amazon. What'd you get? Just all types of stuff. I don't know, like mountain houses, peak refuel, and uh, I always like uh, like the, the gum. peak stuff's good. Peak They're, stuff's good. I was um, Mendez sent me some of that last year, and I kind I've of actually I, never had it, but I've heard <laughs> I, I said that, but I, I've never had it. But I all there's a I know few a lot horrible ones. Like They're off the grid. Made some some really good breakfast oatmeals that I liked. Oh, really? But for like last year, I forget where we were, but I I was somewhere hunting and was just like starving to death. And then yeah. we got back late, and I think like there wasn't much food kind of out and about and stuff. And so I was just like, God dang, I'm just gonna go to bed with nothing. Mm. I mean, I was, and so I started just like going through cabinets in my. Luckily, I had my camper. Oh, yeah. and I found those freaking peaks that Chad sent me before they came out, and it was okay. the um, the bison mashed oh, potato yeah. ones. Yeah, Dude, I think I got some of those. If maybe it was because I was starving to death after like 13 miles for elk country, yeah. but I'm just yeah. telling you that I destroyed more like instant mashed potatoes and beef than I ever have in my whole life. I just, I destroyed them. Okay. I yeah, thought you were talking about solid. the back end for a second. No, I was good on the back end. Yeah. I was good on the back end. Yeah. I mean, mountain houses are fine They're but uh, you know, peak refuel, I bet. I think I, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be way better. Yeah. I would think so. I don't know. Yeah. Mountain houses. I mean, they're fine. They're not really my go-to Barklow freaking, he kind of gets stuck in his old ways. Like there's been times like MREs he'll bring mountain houses. Yeah. I've, I was at a camp like cooking some legit stuff off a, a small generator and a Traeger. Oh yeah. And he's over there just like boiling up someone (laughs) like, bro, what are you doing? (laughs) Take that constipation in a bag. Yeah. See, that's the problem with mountain houses. (laughs) That is the problem. No. Yeah. So what's on on your bucket list? Like, what's your bucket list? My bucket list? Yeah. For hunting? Yeah. Um, My go-to is always uh, moose. I'd like to kill a moose. Yeah. Um, We just went over to uh, Performance Archery. Yep. In uh, California. Yep, Bob. And freaking Bob has shot everything. So this question actually came up when we were out there because he's literally shot everything. Where I go for moose just had a cancellation. I saw they posted. Oh, yeah. One person right now for October 3rd. BC, it's legit. Hmm. The funnest hunt I do, period. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe not this year. <laughs> Dude. Maybe. You got to freaking pounce I, on opportunities. I know. I'm, I, I have, thought about doing I thought it. I was going to take a light year, and I already have like nine or ten tags, and I'm just like, I'm already packed. Where? So Moose is on the top? Yeah, Moose is up there for sure. Um, I don't know. I just like... You, I, a Yukon moose is, is my, like, that's on my bucket list. Oh, you haven't all, done that yet? No, it's out of my price range. Oh. I'm still a, dude, I, I rented a U-Haul freaking no, last week. No I'm freaking 24 <laughs> trying to convince me to go there. No, or, but Is that not bad, that guy? What? Oh, no, With the dude. cancellation? No, you can go for, like, five. Oh, really? That's it? Yeah. Oh. It's not like a Yukon. Is it one. guided? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, like, fly in? Like remote, like you'll plan? actually boat in. Oh, you'll nice. you'll you'll drive your their vehicle onto a barge mm, that yeah. they push with a with a fishing boat. Mm. They and then you're you gotta fly up there probably. Oh yeah, like from here. Yeah, it's in Prince George is where you fly into. Then you got a three hour drive from there. Mm. 
How did Chris B get into archery? Um, my dad was a bow hunter and, um, we lived on 10 acres of Michigan and he wanted me to get into bow hunting. So he got me like a little tiny fiberglass red bow when I was six. Dude, that was mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the ambidextrous <laughs> left and right. With yeah, the, yeah. Mm. sweet. So I was, uh, dude, we need a shoot off with it, one of those. I still have it. it Do you? It's at my parents' house. Dang it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, don't throw this away. Have like, you, did, did you shoot it enough to like wear that rubber down where oh, you had yeah. like a cool channel yeah. on it? All the reds chipping off and everything. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I even shot it when I was like older for fun. You could like shoot it straight up in the air. It's fun. Um, no. So I did that. And I mean, I was so little, the, you know, when you get like a fresh 3d target, like the paint is just like hard to pierce through my arrows would just bounce <laughs> off of that. And they wouldn't even like break the paint, you know, what kind of arrows did you have with those ones with those silver caps on the them? cap ones? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause know, that's not penetrating. No, nothing, no. And yep, I used those to shoot ones. friends with those. Mm. If you put jackets on like and goggles, you were good that. to go. No, no, maybe in the winter time. Don't do it at home. I did the it. Fanatics is fun beat up neighbors <laughs> <laughs> the neighbor's cat shooting yeah. the butt or something no i didn't um, do cats so that's uh started there and then i mean i don't know i shot like till for a year or something then i just got super interested in it and we had a local uh local like outdoors club livingston conservation sports association okay. it's in brighton michigan and um my dad like was was signed up because he wanted to shoot and then realized they had a joe ad program She's like, oh, he's like, what? you know, the age limit was only like six or something on that. So we would go up there like every Saturday morning and I would literally like borrow a bow off the rack, shoot. Like I did the whole system. And so I think I was like eight or nine um, for my birthday. My dad got me like a PSE spider, which nice. I feel like is like everyone's go to when mm-hmm. they were like my age. Um, so I like got super into it and I kept shooting. And um, when I was 10, uh, bow season rolled around and shot a six point with the bow out of a ground blind and you could like Dang. you could bait in michigan back then I was so 10 like, too that's sweet yeah and um so we got like my dad made me like a killer setup like eight yards away you know a little feeder and just dang actually missed it twice and then went back like two days later and double lunged it so i was i was too jacked up um and then uh from there like i just kept shooting the joe ad program and now i had my own bow and we um found out about like state tournaments and stuff. Yeah. So we got signed up for like a state tournament um, and really, really liked that. I think I even came in third. So it was like a good experience and a good reward on like my first, I think there was like four people in the division or something. So like I didn't do well, yeah. but I, but I placed cause I showed up. Um, and then like from there, I just kept, you know, more local stuff. And um, I think I upgraded uh, to like a bear, uh, the primos youth, youth uh three or something like that it was a primo's bear um and then i kept shooting tournaments and then upgraded to like an actual target bow i think i was 13 um so i was like every year i i just kept growing and had a you know yeah that stage so i actually went to um, my first usat tournament when i was 13 and i shot like up into the cadet because my sister was a year older and she actually got into shooting also yeah and she was old enough to shoot like cadet actually so they weren't going to go and just bring her. And I was super into it. So they just drug me along and I uh, ended up coming in fourth and alternate for the world team. So I was like super jacked up, like yeah. just a kid with a freaking target bow, like this could actually mean something. So from there, like my parents were super supportive and we went on USAT tournaments all through high school. Yeah. Um, and that kind of led me into the tournament space. And then um, actually 
I got into like the USA Archery and Joe Ed program first, but then I got into NASP. Yeah. Uh, at the end of middle school. What year was that? Because I'm trying to think. When. I mean, I was uh, I was probably 15, something like that. So I don't even what, know. What, what year? I graduated though? in 2015, so that was probably you know 2011, 2012. Oh, so NASP was very very going by then. Oh yeah, it was it was jazz. that was like, that was a decade in. Let me think. Yeah, I mean, when we went, there was. 10,000 kids at nationals. I'm trying to think if NASP was 2002. Probably. Or three. Because, yeah, that it was that, well, that, curricul- well that curriculum and everything was, like, very complex because that's, you know, I was there for a lot of that. And the, and the very yeah. first mm-hmm. one that we did um, when that curriculum was being wrote was actually the Boys and Girls Club. So Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. so Rod and I went and actually – so we had to like teach the people the very first because um, there was like levels. I think we did Joad certification at first like for so, the coaches and yeah, stuff. so that yeah. the coaches would do it. And so the very first ones, um, gosh, Jenny Richardson was like a big part of it, and then mm-hmm. a guy from Kentucky that was like head of like the DNR, and I'm trying to think of his name, Roy. Yeah, Roy. Uh, um, Dang, dude, this is like digging back in my memory bank. But yeah, I remember we uh, we had a room the in the G, in the boys and girls club, and then we had people come in and, and were teaching. And you know, and personally, I I don't feel like Rod White got enough credit for hmm. like NASP. Rod was a massive part of that getting into schools. Right, it was like Rod going and doing that based off that very first curriculum that was written. Yeah. Yeah, NASP is super cool. interesting. It's it's I mean, there's it's bigger than little league baseball when you actually put the numbers to it, the amount of kids that are in schools and actually travel and go to tournaments and everything. And there's so many freaking kids that they have to um some states have to like qualify for states, then they gotta qualify for nationals. So like nationals is already fifteen thousand kids, but it would be freaking thirty thousand, you know, or more if they just let everyone come. Yeah. So it's and, nutty. Well, another fun fact is um so the very first time archery got brought into the Arnold Classic, um, mm. archery got brought in because it was like all like, you know, the, they, the Arnold was like bigger than the Olympics, which a lot of people don't mm. know for like the number of athletes. I feel like that it's are there. toned down a lot. It probably has. I wouldn't know. But like the very first time they did it, they wanted like the top 10 men compound, the top 10 uh, female compound, and then they did the same in recurve divisions. When do they? Where do they pull from that? Like USA Archery stuff? Yeah, it or? was based off U.S. rankings. Okay. So, um, yeah, and at the time, um, forget who was. I mean, there was quite a few people there, but I ended up winning the first one, and that's where I met Frank and Arnold. And then they had it the next year, and by then I actually coached those guys. So when I went back the next year. Um, and it was, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was fetus style soaring. So it was inner tens. Um, oh, indoor. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. indoor inner tens. And then the second time um, I won it as well. And they said, what do we need to do to like get more shooters here? Because they wanted it like the size of Vegas. Right. And so I remember telling Arnold, if you want, the biggest form of archery that I think is a better message for what you're trying to do. I said, 
we need to get the NASP state championships dur- here during the Arnold Classic instead of you having 20 top pros here where right. you're literally going to have 100 people and that's it. Or right. you can have 2,500 kids right. and all their parents. What would you rather do? So I actually connected um, – our NASP leader in Ohio. Mm, Ohio's um, big. Yeah, with with Arnold so that the NASP um so at so there was like two years where pros competed at at the Arnold and then I just said like if you want this big, you need to have kids here, not not yeah. a, not a bunch of pros. Yeah. I, that's Which what they that's what they do at Vegas now in the Vegas shoot. They yeah. have the Nevada State t- championships the same time as a Vegas shoot. Yeah, it's just a smart kids idea. Yeah. yeah, it's a smart idea. Yeah. Um, so going, I mean, I did NASP like all through high school and actually yep. made like three all-star teams. I went to South Africa um, and it was hosted like in the U.S. And then the other time they didn't do anything. Um, went to Worlds, placed, placed a bunch. Like I, I had fun and NASP was super challenging, even though it was so simple. Mm-hmm. And I like, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and then while that was going on, I shot all the UCF What's the stuff. all-star team? They cause so it's a top. I would have been gone by then. It's a so. top 14 out of everyone. So out of the 15,000 people, it's a top 14, all divisions, all genders. And so then they send. They, they send. So they like paid part of our way to go to South Africa. And then. Who did you connect with down there? In South Africa? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like. Well, it would have had to have been someone to deal with NASP. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a. Uh, um what is it called um was it was there's it? a church like a church in nasp like conjoined and that's big over there i forget what it's called though i'm blanking out but that's like uh, oh center shot hmm. i think it's called center shot okay um but th- th- i was out there so they literally hosted it we stayed at like a hunting outfitter you know and just like there really wasn't a lot of people but a couple countries there came dealers there like matthew's dealers no we were literally in the middle of the bush and they like set up the bleachers and like. You think it was targets. an outreach pro, like an outreach thing that Matt had done over there through like a mission okay. thing that so, he connected uh, with NASP? Potentially. Um, Matt's brother, forget his name, he was there. Which one? Steve? I couldn't even tell you. I was like 16. I forget. Yeah, it wouldn't have been know. Ed. It would have been Steve. Yeah, probably. maybe it was. Or but Randy. He, Dude, I don't even. I, <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you. All I know it was it was one of the one one of them, and they were like hunting, and they were there, and everything. But that, I mean, that was super cool, and that's grown a lot. Like the next the next year, I made it again, and it was in uh, Wisconsin, in Madison, and uh, I was at a college, and I mean, there was a lot more people there. And was I, it during the Deer Classic or something? Did they connect mm, it with anything else? No, it was it's a small deal. I don't know what it's like now, but literally, it was just like us and like the families of the of the people, you know. Um. So that, that, I mean, that was cool that they tried to bring like the top, top people and make them travel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, so that was cool. And they have like worlds, but worlds is, I think it's in Florida every year. Um, but I've been to that a few times. Yeah. Cool. I did, I did the whole nine. I did the whole nine with NASP, went everywhere. When did you connect with George? Like when did you become oh, a Ryan's. Hornet? Uh, so that's. When did the Hornet power kick in? <laughs> so I, uh. I really never was like initiated into that. I just kept traveling and, and hanging out with those guys and everything. And I never actually got like coaching or training from George until like later on. So I just became friends with all of them throughout my high school years. And it really wasn't until I was in college that I like went down there and really connected with Colby and Ultraview and everything. So did Colby start down there? Yeah. So Colby, Colby owns Ultraview and he 
uh, moved down to Georgia to go to Georgia Tech. He actually lived with George. Okay. And then that's where he started Ultraview. Okay. And it's still in Atlanta. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very, that whole story is very, very, very awesome how he did all that. Yeah, I really liked, I've, I've honestly, um, I liked the, that, like the, I don't know, I just, I always wanted to support it because I kind of, I honestly heard about it secondhand. Yeah. And maybe. Like the Hornets in general, you're saying? No, well, I knew about the Hornets because obviously, you know, through George, but. Yeah. Um, Mike Looper always. Oh yeah, Looper. Kept, Looper was a big supporter of George and the Hornets. And yeah, so yeah, Looper would always kind of talk to me about like what was going on yeah. and what George was doing and stuff. So I was like, yeah. yeah, that's you know all that was cool. And then yeah, I mean George. George does a lot, and I, I, he enables kids that potentially wouldn't do it otherwise or couldn't do it otherwise. You know, because traveling to these tournaments are expensive. Yeah, you know, so mm-hmm. we kind of have like that team atmosphere and. And, you know, enable people to, to go places and everything. So when you become, like, a Hornet, it just opens a lot of doors. Yeah. On top of, like, George's coaching and everything. Is it still as the way it was? Because there was, like, so, a time where it was kind of like, it was kind of like the Powell Peralta skaters or something where, like, that was that was a traveling niche. Yeah. Like, you so know, the like, Hornets were, like, but what, it seems like it's kind of It's changed a lot. There's all new, all new blood in it, I guess you could say. But, mm-hmm. like... When, when like, me and Colby were shooting in the cadet and junior age, like, it was, it was like, all of our best friends yeah. were in it. And, like, all like a lot of my best friends still are. There was a lot of synergy there. I yeah, mean, a lot of you guys sure. that were in that kind of spun out to and create something that was kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, like, I'm doing my thing. Colby's doing his thing. Um, one of my good buddies, Roy Green, um, he was from that. He's a Wisconsin guy. Um, he worked at uh, A1 Archery up there, pro shop. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean – just having, I mean, like any sort of team out of any sort of sport is just so beneficial. And I think yeah. with archery, it being such an individual sport, you miss out on that a lot of times. And especially in the ages where you're like developing so much like high school and college and you don't have that like support group or, or friend, like when you shoot archery and stuff, it takes up a lot of your time. So if you're missing yeah. out on that team and like really socializing, like yeah, that's you, a social aspect. A yeah. Lot, you know? Yeah, it's for like, sure. Especially, like, on my aspect, I was, like, hunting archery business. And, like, when we would, you know, and but I had the community. Every time I go to, you know, tournaments and everything, we had that 10, yeah. you know, of our guys that were just, like, all our best friends. Yeah, so. that was, I think that was a big thing that I missed. Yeah. When I, when I started competing, I actually had what I felt like w- was a team. Mm-hmm. So... When I roomed with like, um, when I roomed with Dave Step, like I really felt like I had a teammate like yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, when I first started shooting, the people that took me under their wing was uh, Randy and Sonny Chapel, mm. and the Chapel brothers because I I wasn't old enough to rent a room, yeah, and, or a car or a car, anything, yeah. yeah. So they would would do that, and then Jerry Carter eventually got to the point where mm. if I helped him sell releases off a table then help you out. He, yeah he would help me out which is kind of what i did mm-hmm. but like randy and sonny were definitely my team and yeah. then and then dave step and like brian jones were were kind of people that i loved hanging out yeah. with and having fun with and screwing around with yeah and that's important you know i mean like really all aspects of life that's important that you kind of yeah. have like 
not really a crew, but like support group or friendships and everything. And so, you know, we all found that in archery, thankfully. I feel like I was away from a lot of the core shooters though, because I was, I was up in Wisconsin. Yeah. So when I would go to an ASA shoot, it's not like a lot of the guys from the Southeast, like you look at like, you know, Caudle, Pete works and, you know, the Moorheads and like all the, all these people saw each other all the time. Yeah. And like, that mm-hmm. was like kind of a click, you For know, sure. that was kind yeah. of a group and they were all, you know, yeah. and then there was also East coasters. So there was like the chapel brothers and Johnny Heath and, mm. and Jeff Hopkins and all that. And then yeah. here, and then Dave and Ulmer are both from Arizona, like way out there, you know, right. and, Bill Pellegrino is like yep. dominating and stuff. But then, you know, I'm up in Wisconsin with like right. nothing, no one. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was up yeah. there just like, no, you I know, totally learning get it. to shoot from locals. So when I would show up, I was kind of, in a way, I felt like kind of an odd duck, you yeah. know, and I, and I never, I don't know. I just called it how it was. And, and, uh, I don't know. I, I never, I feel like it was important, but I never, really like loved it because i i don't know it was just like it wasn't people i got to hang out with every day right i would only see him when i went to a shoot and that's the deal like on my end we all we're all over the place too we had technology i think a little bit more so you know, yeah like that is true now, so we all stayed in touch and everything but yeah i mean and and that's a hard thing especially when you get to the level of traveling around tournaments and everything so you meet all these people but then you go back home and train and everything and it's like they don't have anyone you know close by or uh, sometimes you do sometimes you got a great group of guys but some, most like, of the time you don't do you like training on your own or do you like to train with like um it all depends i mean like now it's pretty much by myself it's kind of a know? loaded question really sorry I to li- let you down today I like, you asked if i wanted to i know i was like Let's i honestly do, i honestly on. do i honestly do really want to shoot we'll do it, it soon sometime yeah when we're not gone we're, we both have like bows that aren't out yet yeah so <laughs> i i had an old bow ready to go i, I always have one on deck <laughs> <laughs> i kind of said that I, I told sharon i'm like maybe i should just like go out and shoot this in bark i probably wouldn't even notice <laughs> oh, oh oh the old one yeah you would notice the new one uh, yeah well, you would I mean, notice that's good. and i know i'd notice yours too so yeah you would um but yeah we were gonna shoot today but i i growing up in like when i was when I could get better very fast, like the jumps were bigger. I always mm-hmm. really liked shooting with someone better. Yeah. You know, because it always improved you when you're shooting with someone better. Because you almost don't realize it's possible. Because right. mm-hmm. I, was a th- I was a 3D shooter. Like, I like shooting 3D because I've always been a bow hunter first. That's yeah. what I like to do, and that's the only reason why I shot 3D is because I wanted to be better at bow hunting and I wanted to right. shoot longer mm-hmm. shots. And my first 3D shoots... Like, I was so far from the leaderboard that I almost, like, I almost hit a whole new gear so that I could at least, like, be on the map. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden I realized, like, oh, you can be way better than what I even thought people could be. Mm-hmm. And then um, I ended up shooting Vegas one year. I, for, I forget what it was for. I shot Vegas, I think, on a bet. I was there. Oh, really? I was there running. I was there for the Matthews booth. Oh, yeah. And someone said, "Like, why don't you shoot Vegas?" I'm like, "I don't know. I could do it." And then, so I ended up setting up a bow out of the booth. 
Oh, really? Yeah. And I, um, <laughs> and I went and Jay bars actually was still like running the Easton pro staff and like gave me some of his arrows and I ended up like shooting Vegas. And then, then it like kind of like sparked something where, you know, let me mm. see what I can do indoors. And I'll never forget until I shot with someone that was really good. Yeah. And I was so far from them. Right. I was like, okay, you can get there. One, I realized I'm not as good as I think I am, you know, and yeah. then, and then it got to the point where it really bothered me. So then I just like kick, kicked it in gear. Yeah. And then kind of got to a point where honestly, that's why I kind of faded out is once I got to a point where I'm like, okay, like I've made the bar and I can just do this. Yeah. But I also don't want to do it every day of my life. Like that's right. just not where I'm mentally at. Yeah. Are you still there for turn? Like, for tournaments, are you mentally still there, or are you kind of like in a transition phase? I mean, when I show up to a tournament, I lose money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's put it that way. Like when you're looking at it, like at a business perspective, like you freaking you drive or you fly, you get a hotel, you do you register, like the whole nine. Mm-hmm. You know, like overall, you're losing money when you go to a tournament. But when you go to like an event that's super fun, like attack or something. And you're engaging with people yeah. and everything and you're having way more fun. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, but I still enjoy shooting tournaments. Like I still like the competitive side of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I'll still go, I'll still go for several years and I have toned it back. Like I used to go to every, like three, four years ago, I would go to everything, you know, and just like run it. Yeah. And not do good. Yeah. You know, like do okay. Like I would, I would do decent at a few throughout the year. Well, you but probably loved life on the road just as much as the the actual moments still of the tournament. Still life on the road. Yeah. It's always life on the road. Yeah. What we do, it's freaking yeah. nonstop. Put 40,000 miles on a truck a year. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still like it. And I, I think it's important on my aspect of things and kind of like my mission is still very target archery. Yeah. You know, like it's – it's done so much for me that I want to show people that it can do a lot for them. The bottom line is it makes people better bow hunters. And it, yeah, you know, and it goes back too. to the bar that we're talking about. Yeah. It's like, if all you do is shoot with a bunch of bow hunters who have never like the reality is there's target archers out there. Like I, sh- I post how I shoot and people think it's awesome. It's good. Maybe great there's target archers that are awesome insane and yeah. and they're people that were like me when i was 18 to 27 where i would shoot six hours a day mm-hmm. and That's literally shoot i would be working on three bows at a time and yeah. just freaking shooting i mean i had mm-hmm. 90 meter bales that were apart from each other and i'd be shooting 12 arrows down pull those out, shoot right there to shoot towards the other bale yeah. and just be racking up just numbers and just shooting yeah. and shooting and shooting. And guess what? Every Thursday afternoon I was grabbing the handle of that bow case. Number one was going in it. Number two mm-hmm. was going in it. Number three was staying home to get worked on the following Monday. Yeah, driving and then, or flying somewhere. Yep. And then till Sunday I was, Every arrow from there forward was for a purpose and for yeah. money or for a shoot off or for a pro am. And yeah. it was like you were just in a boiling pot all the time. And yeah, it's a lot of pressure. You too. can't like you can't jump 
in and out of a freaking a tub that has hot water in it. A cutthroat pro. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's pros that sure there's pros that also like to hunt but there's pros that all they want to do all is they do compete. is shoot archery yeah yeah is shoot and yeah. compete and they're in the boiling pot every day yeah and which is hey, hard dude. to do it's yeah. a little easier to do on 3d i feel but anything like world archery or indoor like you gotta be <laughs> you gotta be on yeah. like 3d you can like you can if if you're good and you got your setup and like you go in and out. I think you can you can like I've stuck with it and improved just by like going in and out a little bit, like an indoor or like a high volume arrow round. You yeah. got to be really on and you got to be dialed. Well, it's not like I could go like I I don't practice to shoot 144 scoring arrows with a purpose. Like I don't practice that intensely anymore. I yeah. don't have time. Yeah, so can I do okay and like have a few cool moments if I went to a tournament right now? Yeah, I could do that. Like, you know, yeah, I know, I know, like, I know I've been gifted above average with archery, but I also don't polish the blade all the time. Mm -hmm. So there's just, there's people out there that'll just cut your throat because oh, that's, yeah. they're polishing the blade every single day. day. And some, some are like, Talk to them like, yeah, I haven't practiced that much. And then like they won. Like, yeah. what are you yeah. doing? I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's always a few of those. Just freak shows. Yeah, there's always a few of those, which is kind of a weird formula of um do they not do it enough to where they don't care and they don't really know what they're doing or Yeah, I don't know. I mean any any professional Normally that's on lower that's on lower volumes of arrows though. Yeah. Like those those people that just kind of say I can show up and do it because I know at one time like I know at one time like Chance shot a lot with some of my buddies mm. and they're just like yeah he just he shoots three holes all day so yeah. like at some point he's just bored of doing it right you know just x after x after x yeah, yeah yeah just you know just put three holes in the paper yeah. and and shoot and I I like one of the targets that I have framed at the house you know it was like three holes. The most I've ever gone on three holes was 99 shots. I know because I was mm. like one more, like one more and I've got a hundred in this Screw target up. with yeah. like within the same hole. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I shanked it. <laughs> and then I was pissed that I didn't just stop yeah. so that the target had a per like, right. cause then I'm yeah. like, well now if I save the target, I'm yeah. going to look at the one like the whole time. But and that's what happened. Man. Yeah. But there's, <laughs> there's people that can do that all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I feel like any any professional sport, like, it's just an insane amount of attention and mental capacity to stay good. Well, they're super elites, too. And, yeah, all the bars have been raised to... Oh, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. all the bars are so freaking high. And then there's, like, your group that... Because, listen, like, when Riles and, and I shot, yeah, it's not like information was free and it's not like anyone really wanted to give it to you. Right. There was a few people that could shoot. Like I remember when I shot a 597 at NAA nationals, mm -hmm. I was like, damn, cause that was a world record for a long yeah. freaking time. So I was like, okay, well I've like got to a level where, you know, not there's, there's very few. At. Yeah. There's very, very but few now people it's like here. 600. 
all the time. Oh yeah. Well yeah, now several times a year. Now there's people, there's a lot of people like you that learned fundamentals that took George and I like 20 years of problems to get to. And then right. the problems are still like, there's a couple times where like you accidentally open the wrong door and you're like, ah, there's yeah. like a freaking problem in there that you forgot about. Whereas yeah. people like I look at Sharon and Harry, they're perfect examples. Mm -hmm. Like from the very first arrow they've shot was right. a silverback. And that's all yeah. they've ever shot. And they can put their bow down for a long time and they can pick it up. And if you watch them shoot, they're like, Dang, they're executing yeah, good shots. For day one, they were instilled with correct information and yeah. form. And yeah. so, the, like, the, when I watch the Hornets shoot, you know, and I don't watch hardly anything for those listening. Like, I never – I have so many things going. Like, people know of – people know of knock-on, but that's, what, a ninth of what I've – what like, what I have to do for other people. So, yeah, occasionally I would watch – and I'm like, damn, these guys are going to be slayers when yeah. they're like 25 and 30. I mean, the thing is, is like, and it happens in all situations, but when you got a lot of like high school kids and then they go to college and they kind of drop off, mm -hmm. you know, there's been a lot of kids that have done that. And if they've stuck around, I mean, there's probably 20, 25, 30 more kids that you just don't shoot anymore. You know, just oh, because yeah. things happen and they get a job and disappear and whatever. Well, listen, there comes a time too where, like, even now when I have to ask, get answered or get asked the question a million times that I have to answer of like, why don't you compete anymore? It's like, mm -hmm. listen, have a family, have a you know, have a family, yeah. have yeah. a job, have Freaking employees that depend on you. Cost have, a bunch of money to travel. Yeah, have a yeah. you know, have a a son that's you know going through school, and you do, you know, you kind of look at the calendar, and you're like, I don't want to miss that game or that game or yeah. that game. It's just like life changes. But the cool thing about archery, and I've said this since the very beginning, and it's actually it was very obvious in NASP. Mm -hmm. Because when some of the very first NAFS championship happened, what was so cool about it to me was there was a lot of stories coming from teachers that said this kid, like, would say that they were sick for PE class. They would always have, like, an excuse. They'd have notes from the parents of why mm -hmm. they couldn't be in PE, you know, and it was from, like, people that weren't necessarily in great athletic shape or mm -hmm. weren't, like, standout athletes to where they're going to yeah, be on, sure. a, on a basketball team or on a football team. Mm -hmm. But they could do it. You know, that's what's cool about archery is it's, yeah. it like, it's for everyone. yeah, there, you don't have to be a super athlete to do archery. You can, like, you can do it and – as you get better, it gives you reasons to be better as a person in other aspects of your life. So there was like, you know, girls at one where they're like, listen, this is like the only thing they do good at at school. And, and right. they come to school because they know that if they don't come to school, then they can't go to NAS practice. Yeah. And then, and so I love that. And I love the fact that time after time after time, there's archers that peak in their mid to late thirties. And then there's always every few years, there's an archer that comes back. That's like in his late forties, that freaking wins a major. Yeah. And you're just like, or damn, like Timmy okay. G that's just dominating the senior class. Everything. <laughs> yeah. He's funny. Um, yeah. I mean, NASP, it filled a void that I think was supposed to be filled 
for sure, you know, in, in schools and in extracurricular activities for all the people that couldn't really do football or something like that, you know. And I never – I did baseball and then quit once I started doing archery and everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's just a huge community around it too. I mean, at my school, shout out to Heartland High School. We're actually <laughs> pretty good. They're actually doing really good. They won nationals like almost every year now. Um, but anyways, like we had several hundred people in a gym, like Tuesdays and Thursday afternoon practicing. It's like, we're all shooting archery and it was like, it was killer. And I was just, so now like all these high schools and middle schools and everything all around the nation are doing that. Yeah. That's really cool. It's huge for sport. The problem with NASP is the, like still the conversion rate of, you know, they graduate and then they're just done. Yeah. You know, there's still a big problem there that I think people are continuing to, to th- work on. I think that's, be- I think it's getting better because mainstream is embracing archery and bow hunting right for now. For sure. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that like, so when I came up, there'd be people, you know, people were like, what do you do for a living? That, like at, it, at least for me, yeah. when, when people would ask me that and I was on an airplane, I'd be like, sometimes I just make something up because yeah. I'm like, if I tell them I'm a professional archer, they're going to be like, really? What is that? What is that? And yeah. then you've got to like go through it and then they realize like, oh, there's 200 people that do that, you know? Right. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was kind of weird. But now if you say like, yeah, I'm into archery, they're just like, oh, I've heard about that. Right. They've heard something. There's some sort of connection yep. somewhere. So, mm-hmm. and For then, sure. and at that time, like when I would say it, they'd be like, really, there's professional archery. I shot archery one time in, in, in high school yeah. and they, and most people say like, and I just remember hitting my arm. Like, I don't know yeah, how many times, that, I don't yeah. know how many times I've heard that. Yeah. So and, it's kind of cool that, that it's like becoming more mainstream because I think the fallout rate will, there's always going to be a fallout rate when someone hits 18. Listen, like, there's a lot going on. When you're yeah, yeah. You're like, get out there and get after it. And yeah. we'll see you when you're 24. Yeah. But like, I do think there'll be more people coming back to it. Like when they're 24. Yeah, so. I think so. But you know, from, from hundreds of thousands to tens of thousands, you know, it's just crazy all those people shoot bows and then I wonder how that like correlates with other sports. Yeah. Well, like think of how many people play a recorder and then how many people (laughs) go on to play. I still got one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I, like you said, it's just making it mainstream and, uh, and cool and trendy and like, Hey, you can, you can hunt, you can do this, you can get food, you can do it recreationally still. Yeah. I think it's just continuing that push to, to make it mainstream. So when did the, when did the, the Chris B YouTube sensation? Um, yeah. I mean, that entire thing just happened supernaturally. It was never like a board meeting to, to make it happen or anything. <laughs> I don't know. Board <laughs> People think it was like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, no, we, um, it was probably just over seven, eight years now, six years. I made like a funny video, like a, like a parody video. I actually think I remember that. Yeah. It was like eggs on toast. And then it was one about Hoyt. Was there one about um, archery stereotypes? Yeah, yeah. So, so those are like the progression. We just literally made funny videos with the hornets. Yeah, like it was like I was there the only was one that one had a camera. Being, there was one that was done. There was one that was done in the nineties. Um, 
and someone will have to tell me, God, what was his name? He was, I'm sure he was from Alabama or Georgia. Like a stereotype? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And, oh. It, and it was hilarious, but oh, it really? was done with like an old like VHS, oh, like over yeah. the shoulder. I know his name was uh, Dale. Dude, he did a parody on, um, it was like a homemade video. It was a parody on Ulmer. Oh, really? Yeah. And he had this like, this big like boat hat with this big flip down blinder. And oh, then would Ulmer have that? Yeah, yeah. And then his release pouch was like, it was literally like a clothespin bag <laughs> on his side that had like a hundred, a hundred releases oh, right, in there. Yeah. But yeah, it was like a parody. Similar yeah. I've to never that. seen that. That's funny. We, we got the idea from dude. Perfect. That's when like yeah. dude. Perfect was doing all the stereotypes. You're like, Hey, let's just, let's just do that. Like, mm-hmm. let's just make it. So one afternoon we just filmed it and like it took off. Like it's still my number one video on YouTube. Really? It's almost at a million views and Facebook is really where it took off. Like when, when Facebook was popping back yeah. then, it got millions of views. Like it was nuts. It was nutty. So that's where I was like, Oh crap. Like we can make videos and people could see it. Mm-hmm. And I still did it for fun. And I really enjoyed, um, like videoing and editing, like on a creative perspective. Do you do your own? I haven't until like this year. Okay. I got someone like doing Mitchell. He's doing yeah. all that now. Um, but yeah, up and up until then I really enjoyed all that aspect. So that's why did I your c- sister help you with that stuff too. I'm, I'm speaking from secondhand yeah. information. She was in some videos, but she never really like did any like video or editing or anything. Okay. Yeah. She was just filmed a couple hunts and she'd be in, cause she shot target archery all through high school and college. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I just started doing that and it was all for fun, all for fun of all, all the way through high school. And it wasn't until like sophomore year of college, I was like, no idea what I wanted to do. Still undecided major. Mm-hmm. So I literally, uh, dropped all my classes. I went to Michigan state, dropped all my classes in the fall, booked like three or four hunts and just like went and filmed them. And I was like, I'm going to see if like I can film and shoot stuff and make like something out of it. So I made like a little short series. It was called the B season. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it got like it, for back then it like did okay. And I was like, Oh, maybe I could actually like do something about this. And right around at that time, like I started, um, shooting like in the professional division and, um, started like talking with some companies and was getting like sponsored. Yep. And, um, actually that was like senior high school and everything, but I actually got like an internship at Hoyt mm-hmm. and I like helped with their social media and everything. Yep. So, I remember. Yeah. So that was kind of like my foot in the door. I remember you dodged me at first tack. You didn't come by and get any content for Hoyt. Oh, for Hoyt. Yeah. Uh, I seen you circling too. I don't know. It, it all depend. I wasn't in charge of like the content oh, sort of I know, thing, dude. <laughs> you know, I mean, Mike told you the secrets. No, I'm joking. <laughs> of course, he did. No, um, yeah. So I did that, and that really got like my perspective open and everything in the industry. So from there, um, shout out to Jeremy Beard. You know Jeremy Beard? He shoots a little bit of target archery. Why do I know that name? He's a super funny guy. For some reason, um, he's been all. He lived all over the place. He lived in Las Vegas and Georgia. Anyways, he was like, dude, you're just like being real about this. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, be real. And he's like, yeah, dude, hashtag be real. I'm like, oh, all right, we should roll with that. Like, we could we could make that a thing. Yeah. So just started like hashtagging it on Instagram stuff. And and so like after that sophomore year of college, I was like, all right, I can make this like a thing a little bit. And that's about the time like I ticked over like monetizing on YouTube and like, okay, it's like, oh, you can actually like make a little bit of money doing this. Yeah. So from there, like, you know, I just continued to make videos. And everything when has did Colby jump in. So Colby, um, so we always shot, 
Kobe and I actually like hated each other when we were when we were seriously <laughs> I when wish we I were competing. Like told Kobe to come. Dude, he would have flown in just for. I know. We'll have to do. We'll do it some other time. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so Kobe and I were the same exact age. We shot in the same division. We were like very tight competitors. Like he would win, I would win. He would win, I would win. And um, kind of like when we were on Target One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm just Kobe like over there trying to. Good, yeah, dude. he did shoot. Like good. we when we shot, we shot every single day at TAC, and um, we made a video and we did a competition. Like closest to center won the target. And then the loser would donate to some sort of foundation. He won, and then I won, and I won. But it was like... Who won the day that you we did the donation? For I won, so Colby donated. What would you think of the course? Oh, it was hard. <laughs> so the first, the first like, third? Yeah. Hard. <laughs> Do you remember that? The, there was one guy that, like, spun around and came back up the course. Yeah. Do you remember? Did he make it back out? Do you remember that? You might have. No, you left. You left when we started the course. Someone was like, "This is too hard. I'm bailing." Yeah, and I see all those back. people at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. normally the only hate I get. It's right. like, dude, it was a hard course. Um, yeah. Shooting wise, it was awesome. And once you got through that, it really opened up into that basin. Yeah. But uh, it uh, a lot of the courses you get a lot of different sceneries. Um, but that one you got a little bit of everything. Yeah, it was good. But yeah, anyways, Colby shoots really good. Like. He barely shoots and still shoots really good. Mm-hmm. So when we were back in, back in like high school, we, he says he hated. I really didn't hate him too much. Like I'm kind of a nice guy, but yeah. Colby's like I hated you. Like you know we were like competitors, and it wasn't until um, we really got roped in with George and the Hornets, and we were like, oh, okay, you're not that bad. Like we yeah. started becoming friends, mm-hmm. and then Ultraview evolved. Um, like in his college years and I was super into the media and everything. He's like, Hey, I need like photos and videos like for website stuff. Don't, don't tell me his side yet. Cause I actually want to okay. ask him when he's here. So that's, that's a cool story. It's, it's a killer story. So that's how we got connected and we've been running together ever since. Like I'm, we help each other a lot, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah. And, and honestly, um, so Cole, I'm trying to think, did Colby reach out? I think Colby reached out to me, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, because we're we're working on something. We're working too. on something cool. Yeah, um, that that just needed to happen the way that came together. But then mm. um, he called and it's like, "Hey, dude, I didn't even know it, but I'm right by you." Yeah. So I said, "You know, come by," and that's the first time you came by too. Yeah, and, and that was an awesome day. So yeah, and I mean, it was it was neat because I think from my aspect, a lot of people that are in, like within our Within like, I don't know. What do you say? Like the pro, archery pro space or industry space? However yeah. you want to put it. Yeah, it's like people, I think, have an opinion of me that honestly I don't see many people. I have, yeah. I literally have an ecosystem that very few see. Yeah. So it's like if you have an opinion, it's based on an outside perspective because yeah. I, you know, whereas I mean, with you guys, I'm like, I mean, I'll be, come on in blunt. Like I, I just didn't know what you're, what, what was all going on with like knock on and everything. Like I, I've never met you, talked to you or anything. I just saw what was around and, and what other people have said and everything. And I just yeah. wasn't sure. So like in Colby and I, we like wanted to work with you and yeah. we're like, all right, let's just like, you know, go hang out with them for a day or whatever. And then like hanging out with you, you're super chill. Like you're, freaking nothing yeah, I mean, what i what i thought like <laughs> totally you never chill. know like yeah i know like you don't know like and you're a great guy and you you've done so much for archery too you know like you've and and that's like why i have a lot of respect for you because that's what i'm aiming for also yeah. you know and i think it's that's why i'm like 
I'm I'm trying to help you in any way I can to like pass the torch because like right you know that. there's a I mean, time like, where I'm gonna be dead, dude. Whatever. Someone's got to freaking run with this. No, thing. you've been injecting that into your veins. This kill cliff. <laughs> you're gonna live forever. Um, no, but I mean, like we each have our we each have our and we've talked about this before. We each kind of have our own niche, yeah. niche, niche. Mm-hmm. However, that you say that word. No, it's even spelled niche. weird. So, and um, and we're both just trying to do good for the sport. You know. Yeah. So I respect that a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean. I don't know. I try to be neutral with everyone. Like yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I think I'm a nicer guy. Like yeah. I try to like talk to everyone, not piss anyone off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just didn't, didn't know. And I feel like there is in the pro space, there's a lot. I think any professional space, there is a lot of clicks and there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of backstabbing and, drama overall yeah. you know any any professional space really any space in general well, it's a small fish tank with a lot of sharks yeah and there's only the thing like is, is there's a lot of like al- there's thrown. a lot of alphas too and it's yeah. like you're going in and out and you're beating this guy and, you're, and then like i feel like when you kind of step away from that space and then start doing like really good on all these other things there's like kickback yeah you know and so like i mean i've experienced it a little bit and i'm sure i'll experience more like just as we continue to you know, do our own thing and what we want to yeah. do and not like just get sucked into shooting well, listen, tournaments dude, all the time. And one, one thing is like a parent. It's like, if you want to do it, do it. Yeah. But guess what? The work that's involved, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. It's like, if, Hey, if you want to, if you want, if you want to take it away, you're going to have to outwork me Yeah, and good luck. Cause like, yeah. I'll I'll step up when that happens. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm I would say like these really this past year and especially like two years is only when it's really become like very crystal clear on the direction and like this can be a thing, this can mm-hmm. be a, a full brand and a business and everything. So, you know, I've just been tackling that and trying to navigate that. Yeah. Which has been super fun, but it's also like, what the heck am I doing? You know, because it's like new space and everything. My advice would be tr- be transparent. You know, yeah. Don't just be real, but be transparent because people people will learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And what I've always been good at is, dude, if I wipe out on something or break something or fall or make a horrible shot, like I am yeah. going to laugh about it and be like, did you see that? Hey, yeah. did you look up there where that arrow is? Yeah. I freaking shot this thing in the face yeah. <laughs> and didn't mean to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I <laughs> and, think that's and it's so like, important. And let people learn from it because that they're going to, they're going to love the fact that, like you said, I mean, you're be real. They're going to, they're yeah. going to, they're going to appreciate that. And and that's important, and that's what I feel like so many people have a bad taste about archery and hunting because it was so heavy on TV. You know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like more so than any other industry is, yeah. like, our main outlet was, like, TV, which is just giant deer and being, you know, semi-fake. You know, some yeah. aren't, but a lot of them are, you know, lights, camera, action, and then there's a different person, you know? Yeah. So it's like I've always had a bad taste in my mouth about that, and it's like we press record and nothing changes really. You well, know. for me, it's like what you said. There's a lot of different. There's a lot of different niches, right? Yeah. And hey, there's people that there's people that love print ad, and they yeah. they believe everything they see in you know in a, in a magazine and everything. And there's people that just love you know a monster buck DVD or whatever. Yeah. But for me, 
you know, archery is part of a lifestyle and it, yeah. it, it happens every day, all mm-hmm. day, except for, you know, thankfully right now I'm like learning guitar just because yeah. you I have your antelope blind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually got one for every space I occupy because like one of the things that I did, um, when I started shooting archery, if, if I had my bow with me all the time, then I shot it. But Mm -hmm. when I had like, so when I went to school and my bow was at home, I never shot. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you want to practice something, you have to make practicing very easy. Otherwise you're not going to practice. Yeah. The same is true for like cooking. I've got, you know, I have a grill everywhere where I occupy space. I'm able to cook food if I need to. And I'm able to, yeah. And I'm (laughs) able to eat clean. Yeah. But I also, the same for like working out. Yeah. It's like when I, I worked out less when I had to travel to a place where I had to work out and then travel back because now it's double the time. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's like, if I want to do this, I need to make the investment so that I can do it and I can do it continually, you know, and I know that's not for everybody, but yeah. Well, and everyone's not able to do that, but I think that's just with anything in life. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to change or if you want to do something, you have to actually put intention into it. If you want to wake up earlier, you got to put intention into it and actually do it, you know, and, and eliminate excuses. Like, bring the gym home (laughs) so you can work out. You know, you got no excuses down in the basement or whatever. And it's like, for me, um, I, uh, rigged out like a shop and got targets and everything. It's like, I can work. Like if, if, if you're super in archery, you want to get better, like make a little corner in your garage, learn how, learn your stuff, put a target in the garage, like blank bail. Like so much is important to shoot at five yards. A lot gets done at five yards, you know, more so than 20 on. Did you ever struggle with target panic? Uh, so I've had, I've never had like, couldn't aim at the target, but I've yeah. had um, like competition induced target panic and like just aiming a couple inches low. It's freezing. So you I freeze, mean, whatever. you froze under the target. Yeah, from you like, like aim low. Mm-hmm. But it was all like pressure induced when you, when you knew something big was on that the is line. When, that is when most of it happened. Like I remember. Like if you had a lump the, in your throat type stuff. The last time I had that like bad was in, um three years ago, four years ago, probably three, four years ago in France and Nîmes, And I was doing like really good. And I was aiming, I was aiming at the nine, eight line the entire tournament. <laughs> and I shot a five ninety four with your sight set on like 21. Oh yeah. Or yeah. I, oh, <laughs> whatever. I do. A lot of people do that. I guarantee 50, oh, no. 50, like 40% of people that shoot bow right now are like, yeah, I can't aim right on it. I could be a half inch under it or an inch under it. Oh, Competition induced. And then I went home and I was perfectly fine. Is it because people have weighed their stabilizers down so much? That also was a problem. <laughs> that also was a problem. Yeah, that's, that's probably why problem. they can't get it like shoulder highs because yeah. they're, what are they shooting now? Like 40 pounds on no, each, on each rod? Stupid. I only have like six, seven, eight ounces. You know, I don't, I don't have a lot. You don't? Are no. you that way for everything? Yeah, I mean, hunting, I'll do like, I'm like four, three. four and two. Like for hunting. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I do three and three. It's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, like why? Time. I mean, hunting. Why do you need weight? Well, I do that on target too. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I'll do. I'll do. I'll do more on target. You know what I think? Factor might be a factor. It's hard to know because obviously I'm the size I'm. I am, but like my my wingspan with a 32 stabilizer on front of that arm. Yeah, and then it's like I wonder how that 
because I just feel like I can't control like that much weight that far out. I can well, if I bring it really close to the bow, yeah, so that it's closer to my center mass. But with my arms this long, it's it's so far out there. I mean, that's it's just like, a bunch of physics jargon. Exactly, but it's like more weight farther out is harder and slower to control, mm-hmm. and less weight or in more is faster and easier to control. Yeah, so it's like. And I feel like everything's skewed because all those pros that shoot a bunch, they can handle it. You know, like they just keep stacking weight because they shoot all the freaking time. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's like, and then and then the average Joe looks at that and then they're like, just throw a bunch of weight. And now they're like this because they can't keep it up. Yeah. But there's a lot of pros that are like that, dude. There's, well, there's, yeah. there's some pictures right now of people where I'm like, awesome at what you yeah. shot but damn i yeah. would rather suck than look yeah. like that. i mean if you're if you're learning archery i would not look at half of the pros right now <laughs> just say that i tell the people that all the time they're like yeah. well why does so and so have this and it's like listen there's exceptions to the rules but you have to remember there's 10 people that can shoot on that level in the world yeah and there's three million bow hunters or archers that if we taught all them that there's still only going to be 10 that could actually make that work. Right. So like, I mean, a lot of George's George's foundation mirrors mine. I don't, he told me there's differences and nuances, but it would mean that I would need to like the fundamentals are there. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to watch what George does to know. And honestly, a big part of me, I don't know if I've said this, but like, I intentionally don't watch what anyone else does because I'm really like, I don't want someone to come to me mad because I plagiarize what they did because I want to paint what you think actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I just tell them like, listen, dude, if I said what you talked about, it's out of coincidence because I can a hundred percent get on a polygraph and say, I don't look at this stuff. Like, you know, my stuff is based off testing that I've done for other companies independently that's like yeah like your whole your whole lifetime in the industry and shooting yeah yeah for sure and i haven't had that but i have had coaching and experience and i i literally don't say very in-depth stuff Mm -hmm. because i don't have the credibility (laughs) like literally i i told i i forget someone wanted me to like write an article or something about like whitetail hunting and i'm like Dude, it's like I haven't shot like a Pope kneeling deer in Michigan. Like, I shouldn't be writing this. Like, yeah. and I literally said, No, like, I don't yeah. have the credibility to do that. Yeah. Like, if you're not shooting perfect scores or 300s, like, why are you, you shouldn't be coaching. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it's a whole nother deal. But yeah. Well, that's the, that's the dangerous thing about, um, social media and everything. Yeah, There's that's so much dang- regurgitated information. That isn't one, it's not correct. And yeah. two, it's coming from someone where it's like, listen, there's no reason you should be given advice on this when you've literally never done it. Yeah. Like you've never, there, there's not a lot of people that have competed and like put 300s down range yeah. in a competition format, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's just with that. So yeah. yeah and that's and, why like George, like, He's came in second at Vegas, I think, like six, seven hundred times. times. Yeah, so it's like he's like, I've done it. Like now, he's not shooting like that, but yeah. he still will, like whip our butt. No, he was really good. Like, yeah, you, listen, I I wasn't even a target dork. Okay, yeah, but knew of George. But I reckon, like, if I was in the elevator, yeah, and I saw those shield cut feathers, I'm like, that's Riles. <laughs> yeah. And I knew he was yeah. good. And I knew f- for the first two days. 
He was going to freaking murder Clean. it. Yeah. Yeah. It all depend he, down to the nerves on the last day. <laughs> Seriously. I yeah. Hate, I hate Vegas. The I be- love Vegas, but I hate Vegas. Yeah. yeah. It's the perfect place for it. I've always said that. Because it's oh, just it's like, gotta be it's, just, it's just like shit house luck. Oh, yeah. It kind of always comes down to percent. it. Yeah. How do you think some of the people that want it? And it's just straight luck. Oh, I've it. seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Straight I've, luck. I've, I've seen that for sure. I mean, some are obviously very good in one. And then when it comes down to it, it's all down to nerves and luck. Every, yeah. Everyone everyone on that pro floor can shoot a 900. Would you rather make a bad shot to win a tournament or make a good shot so that you could, like, what? A bad shot to win. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> My bad shot could be like this far out. I'm like, oh dang it, and it's just like I'm like, oh, I still got it. But there's notoriously been some, like Mike, you know, yeah, Mike's freaking Vegas win. I for like Shanks even I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's like he's he was that good to get that far, and he still had that wiggle room. I don't know. I still feel like if you're, would you just make? Would you just pull a total double clutcher slammerowski that you know would be a meme to like oh, to win something to know. win an ASA? Love to see. <laughs> <laughs> nah, my goal is to still make an ASA. I would shoot be off. so di- I would be so disappointed in myself if I did it, and I would really? be petrified that it would like that this like freaking evil demon would like be able to like come back out like i would i was, don't care it's like you actually shoot a deer in the liver it's still gonna die i don't know i think no. if, if i think if it came down to it and i just like full-blown just made like a freeze beneath the target lift and double clutch punch shot and still one and one i think it would be like saying jumanji or something <laughs> dude <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I would be more frustrated if I made like a killer I'd be scared shot. of getting target panic again because it took me so long to get to where I'm at. Did you work. have super bad target panic at one point? Well, I did. I had like freezing beneath the target, and yeah, I couldn't like could swing up pin. on it and shoot. Yeah, I'd do yeah. drive-bys yeah. mainly. See, I never got to that point. Luckily, I've had like enough coaching and have, and have gotten rid of it, you mm-hmm. know, which I think is so important for new and beginner archers is to get the proper training and steps to yeah. just avoid it altogether. Like little, uh, little Cooper that's in my videos and stuff. Like luckily when he was, was he with you in Michigan when you came by the trailer at the, yeah. And okay. Probably um, teeny little this year. Kid, yeah. Who was a little kid that was with you when you went back home? Oh yeah. He was with us. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's Coop. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of like my, I mean, we're, we're good. Like a little mini Doogie Hauser. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, he's, <laughs> I have fun. That's before your time. You probably don't even know what that is. I mean, I've heard that, but (laughs) (laughs) I probably never watched it. Um, But yeah, like Coop, you know, I've luckily been able to help him. And like, he's definitely had like symptoms of target panics, but we jump on it and fix it instead of just like shooting through it and just like getting in this giant rut. And then it's even harder to get out of it. Yeah. Because I mean, it all is mental at the end of the day. What, uh, what's the craziest, did you ever party at all? No, never did. You were always never, kinda... never went to a frat house or a party in college. I literally was the one kid that literally sat in his room and just grinded on stuff. Like, what was your major? Uh, well, I was undecided for two years, and I was like media and communications, and then I was advertising, and then I never graduated. <laughs> well, yeah, those those three things are the Fun. fundamentals of what you what you needed. Yeah, right but I now. learned zero in college. Are you kidding? It was an absolute joke. 
for for me it was like for what i'm doing now is so above what i learned in college i should have what i should have done is went for business if i went through it and did business because i'm constantly learning like like i feel like you're learning a better way now oh a thousand percent but like recently it's like like what is like private equity and stuff mm -hmm. and like i'm like you know like totally gone yeah, about that yeah. and it's like i don't know there's but people that are good at that and i know and i feel like if i went to like if i fully went to school for business i would have like understood more about business that potentially could have set me up better but in the end of it you learn everything just by trial and error well i thought about i actually i talked to a very good friend of mine um that was the president of a few uni universities. And I kind of said, like, I think I want to go back to school just so I can have a degree. Really? Because it's awkward because there's times where I'm with, it's like, so full-blown, like, Ivy League people yeah. to where they're, like, you know, and then I meet, like, some of their good friends. And then they're, they're like, well, what do you do? Yeah. And, you know, what's your degree in? And it's just like, See, see yeah, I've heard a I, lot of people. I dumped out. So. And, like, my dad said that. My dad wanted me to finish super bad because he went to some college and then he's, like, a business owner and everything. Mm -hmm. And he's, like said the same exact thing when I'm around people where people ask me what you do, but I feel like my generation. So like, I just don't care. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's just a new path that people can go down without college and it's yeah. like acceptable. Yeah. You know, there really is like, and, uh, my buddy actually told me, he said, listen, dude, you do not need like to no. go back. <laughs> Cause he, he said, honestly, I would probably hire you to teach classes. So that's the other thing is like employers and uh, employers that like know what's up. Someone with like experience, like someone with five years of, of grinding experience and figuring it out compared to someone who just came out of college, the person with experience and figuring it out, I, I at least feel it's becoming more popular than the four year degree. Cause oh, a yeah. person with a four year degree, they party on the weekends then they just get their work done and then they party on the weekends and you just get their work done and graduate and then hoping they just like fall into a job, you yeah. know, which you I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it's, I think it's changing. Do you feel like the younger generation is not like willing to put it, the work ethic in that? Oh, you're like talking about like millennials and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you honestly, you hang around with more of them. So yeah, you would know I mean, like how do people, if you, if some, like how many people say like, yeah, it really sucks. I can't get like an awesome job or whatever. I think, um, I'll relate it to like YouTube and stuff with kids wanting to create a YouTube channel. They yeah. think there's some like secret thing or there's like, how did you do this? Or how do I'm like, just start freaking making videos. Yeah. Like there's no, everyone starts at zero mm -hmm. and you, and you grow and yeah. you have fun and you just do it. They think that there's some like hidden thing and then they like do it for a little bit. Don't see any progress and then quit. Yeah. You know? So it's like, that's the thing with, and that's why I think it's great with today's day and age in this space, in this industry, and really all industries is the barrier of entry into getting into the media space is zero. Yeah. It's free. Mm -hmm. Like if you have the work ethic and everything, like I never paid to be on TV or anything. I just started making videos. Yeah. And it's like, if you have the work ethic and the grind and everything to do that, you can get somewhere, you know, and work for yourself and do something and have fun. Yeah. What's like on your bucket list for just things outside of archery? Like, what are, what do you want to work towards? Like, uh, you're talking like mission and vision and everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, really, like a mixture of what you have now and other things outside of that. Like, What's the other things? Um, I don't know. I I kind of like be real. We stumbled on it, um, like naturally, but I kind of want to be like 
I want to relate to more than just like the, the very niche archery people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So I don't, I don't know quite what that entails. Um, I really like, um, like helping kids and stuff too. Yeah. Like I have a lot of joy, like with Cooper and his little brother, like take them hunting, take time out and like really show them. Because I think that even though that's like small, like impact, like one person, two people, but that, you know, I hope Coop hunts forever now, you know? And, and I think that's super important for the sport. Like we can do this giant outreach, like, like mass media, but when it comes down to it, like the super small interactions of helping people is, is super important to me. Well, that you feel such a reward that you can't really pay for, for that. And honestly, that's a big reason why we are where we're at is, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, listen, as much, and we've had people that have talked about kind of, you know, wanting to give me this amazing advice. And they're like, have you ever thought about monetizing what you're doing? And I'm just like, yeah. yeah, I thought about it, and I also thought, no, I sleep freaking awesome at night because I know I give information away, and I know yeah. that I know how many people come up to me when they see me, and they're like, like creating a master class or something. Yeah, and, and they're yeah. like, yeah, and and but the truth is, I'm confident that that like the Knock On Nation supports. They do things to support the fact that they know if they yeah support buy, the brand it, yeah, and the community they, they, and everything. If they support yeah. the brand, then the brand keeps giving back. Yeah, and I just feel like it's a for me, it's a more rewarding model, you know, yeah. because for sure you're it, you're doing it the right way. Cause, it is because yeah. like Cooper, Cooper will he'll get good, and then, you know, you'll yeah, meet another like, one like him, and and, yeah. it, and it'll constantly always feel awesome yeah. to help someone get Fresh better. eyes and, you know, and helping them along the way when maybe they don't have the means to or knowledge or anything is, is really awesome. Are you putting your dad in for Iowa so he can, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I was did like, he right. start? Well, we've been hunting, and Iowa was my first out-of-state trip oh, when really? I was 16. Yeah, he put in, he started putting in points when I was young. Because he had Your he had a buddy, was ahead of the curve. Oh, yeah. he was all about Iowa, and uh, so we went out and hunted, and we both shot like okay bucks. Um, and then we went out four years later and shot okay, or yeah, both shot okay bucks again. No like giants or anything. It was like semi DIY and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then like Iowa was always just stuck in my brain from there. So he kind of we we're kind of like ah, I was kind of overrated, and we stopped putting in for points. Um, what area were you going to? I like South, Southern Iowa is where oh, we were. Oh, you were? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. South yeah. Central? Five? Yeah. Then were you guys putting in five, five and or four? four? Five oh, and okay. four. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, it turned out, it was a good experience. Like, it was the best hunting ever. You yeah. know, even though I think it, the one buck was like 130 and change and like a 130 or something. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, but we saw giants and I was still so fresh in my bow hunting career. I mean, I had so many opportunities at bigger deer that I just screwed up on and stuff. Um, but yeah, my dad's putting in for points now. Wouldn't it be cool if you could go back like somehow in your brain and pull it up on a screen of what it was really like? Cause I know your memory has to oh, have it's great. I filmed all of it. Oh, you did. Oh yeah. So, you know, like ever, when you passed it, like when you saw a buck and you're like, this buck was this big, you every, could actually look. Everything I ever killed since I was 13 has been on film. See, see un- for until ha- this year. So for Harry, He'll have 
every time everything he's ever shot with a bow on film since since his first kill. So yeah. since he was nine years old. Yeah, my dad got my ten year old, ten and eleven year old bow kill on film, but then I like stopped filming because I literally didn't have the meat. Like I was thirteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, nah, it's kind of crazy. And then I went like turkey hunting this year, and I was like, screw this, I just want to go turkey hunting, and I shot one. It's funny how different it'll be because now, like most kids, I'm sure. Like if you're younger now, most parents all have an iPhone. And oh, if they're yeah. kids hunting. There's that's why I tell Cooper. 4K. Cooper has like a little YouTube channel. I'm like, dude, just like use your phone. Like yeah. start. He's got like an iPhone. I'm like, just film stuff for fun. Yeah, you know, you get like a little twenty dollar Amazon tripod and like, I'm just like <laughs> just go to town. Like have fun. Get after it. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what's great is like if like kids are getting into it like crazy. It's stupid. Yeah, like these 10, 11, 12 year old kids with hundreds of thousands of subscribers and stuff. It's nutty oh that's awesome yeah oh yeah not in the hunting space yeah but it's nutty yeah that's super cool because i honestly i'd if you like went into my into my history right now it'd be like guitar lessons oh of of what you watch (laughs) yeah 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 i don't watch a whole lot of i don't watch a lot of tv in general i'll get stuck on a netflix every now and again what's your binger right now uh Girlfriend and I just watched uh, Breaking Bad and then Better Call Saul. <laughs> was that off our recommendation? Uh, well, she watched like part of Breaking Bad. Yeah. And then I was like, I will watch it. But we got freaking, we got hooked for sure. What yeah. season of Better Call Saul are you? Oh, in? we finished. You yeah. did? Yeah. Next the first is, and uh, second. Were, the first was really good. The second was really good too. Yeah. Well, Breaking Bad was, was great. Better Call Saul was like, it was a little slower, but it was still good. You should um, watch. There's a. So there's like a movie called Get Shorty, but then there's a series called Get Shorty. Get Shorty. Yeah, that okay. that one's cool. And then Barry, Barry's a cool. I've heard of that. Binge watch. Okay. Because he's a funny actor anyway, but mm. he's like a, he's actually like a hitman, and he mm. gets hired to to make a hit on a guy that's going to acting class. So he's oh. like, he's like tailing him to like pop him, and then ends up in this acting class, but like starts getting interested in it oh and then like keeps delaying it. inadvertently like everyone thinks he's good at acting but he's actually he's acting as like the character that they don't know oh so he like he's breaking out he's Uh like he's actually dealing with all of his like his problems but it's coming uh-huh. out in acting class where they think he's just Actually, pulling it right. out. But in That's reality, funny. he's just having nervous breakdowns right. in front of everybody. <laughs> but it's therapeutic. That's uh, a good one, too. Barry's good. Uh, and, just, and there's some really have funny. Have you watched Ozarks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ozarks, I like Ozarks. Ozarks is good. And then, uh, oh, what was the one in, like, Ireland, all the, the gangsters and stuff? Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders. Yep. Those are the, literally the only ones I watch on Netflix. Yeah. Well, that was good. If you're going to be hitting some time in the blind, you're going to That's need- why I literally watch most of it. It's like tur- <laughs> turkey hunting and then like, yeah. So funny but, fact, um, I did not expect this, but I actually played, I because pl- I have that little travel guitar, so it's not like an acoustic. Like a ukulele? No, it's, it's, it's like this bit. It's literally mm. like the neck of a guitar and like this much oh, of a body. Interesting. So it. It's kind of like if you play an electric guitar without it being plugged in, you can hear it. Oh, right, But right. it's not, like, amplified, so and it's not acoustic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's just pra- – so right now all I'm doing is, like, practicing chords and, yeah. like, trying to get calluses. So – but, like, I was 
kind of playing some chords and, you know, like late in the day. Yeah. A deer came in, a white tail, and it like came in. and it, When you were antelope hunting? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, so I'm kind of like, like as it was done drinking. <laughs> like and messing I kinda, with it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of knew. And I, I looked at Caleb and I'm like, I kind of like played like a G chord, like really slow. Yeah. And, and it kind of just like sat there and just like looked around. And so then I like kind of like played it. I like, I was playing like little like seductive music, uh, just like chords, like <laughs> ding, 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 right. ding, 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 like that. Yeah. And it totally was like cool with it. Oh, really? But I, then I then, probably thought it was a fence or something like a barbed wire fence. Yeah. Maybe. It was just kind of like, hmm. I don't know if it thought it was a bird or what. Right. Yeah. Maybe. But like p- power, like if you get on it and do like a power cord, they're they ran out. Away. They're out. <laughs> they're, they're out. That was a good experiment. Maybe it was my power bring that cord. In the, in the white tails. White tail stand when he got Dude, a bus in the food plot. I already said that. I already told him. I'm oh, like, and it. he's like, "Are you gonna take one of these things in the white tail stand?" I'm like, "I might." Yeah, I might. Huh? Imagine rolling That's up funny. someone on public land. He's in a tree saddle <laughs> with a freaking gets travel guitar. <laughs> There's Dudley up there. Like, I, I'm going the other way. <laughs> yeah, so true. That's well, funny, dude. How long think, have we been? Even I don't know. Maybe an hour and a half, two hours. It's five fifteen. What time did you get here? I know it was late. Just after three. I'm always late. <laughs> okay. Late people are optimistic. Is that true, or did you? Make I read it, it in an article. I don't know which which article. Probably New York Times. <laughs> 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 I'm joking. I don't even know, but yeah, they say uh, late people are optimistic because they're always like, "I can get there. I can do more. I can do this. Don't worry. Everything's going to be okay." And then they show up late. That could be true because I'm that way all the time. I'm, I'm just always like, late. Yeah, Colby people. on time. For everything in. and whenever yeah. we travel together it drives them nuts does it oh yeah you know Colby like analytical and everything and i had to put the brakes on them like about you know what we're working yeah, on it's like chill out bro yeah, yeah i just said listen dude like i'm this isn't going in a spreadsheet like yeah. and I've got, Colby i'm dotting my like, i'm dotting my the eyes complete opposite yeah because like, like, i have to be thinking about things that he that are like six months down the line yeah to make sure that it, it works then for sure and so, yeah. yeah, I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool. It should be good. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good, and it'll be needed. I really want to try the new scope. You don't have one? Nope. Oh no. Okay. I, I should mean, I'll buy one. one. I'll buy one. Yeah. But <laughs> no, are think, they out? Because I, I think we can hook you up. I told you the 29 millimeter is like, and that's my. That's so my, we have a double. We have a double pin for that. Yeah. We just, we just. I mean, like, I've literally said we need a double pin ever since like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And he's got sometimes got to like take a pickaxe and a Colby's brain and then like filter stuff into it and then close it again. In two years, it'll grow. And then here we are with a double pin. But, anyways, we have a double pin for the big one and the small one. Yeah. So, the small one, I mean, for me is the size. Oh, yeah. I at mean, least you, for, you need at the least distance for the hybrid. Everything. Yeah. For yeah. a hybrid bow, like for tax, that the would 41 be, would be fine for white tails and stuff. But the 41 should have more. I mean, everything's always on. <laughs> You know, in the works. Everything's always in the works. I mean, I love, honestly, um, so this la- the second antelope, um, my two-pin spot hog, like, pin one was 20 yards, which was the water hole. Yeah. And on this, this new bow that I'm shooting right now, pin two was on 38 and a half. Oh, wow. So. That's uh, a pretty good gap. Well, when he came into 31 and then didn't come and then, like, started heading out, I ranged him one more time, 
and he was like 36 and a half and then oh, he perfect. took like two steps and i literally i'm like second pin yeah so if there was ever a time where pin one like pin one was the water hole pin two was exactly the distance is what i shot it was like perfect. and that's all the second pin is for is just that peace of mind that if you draw back or and something happens or or whatever yeah. you just have like 15 10 extra yards depending on your setup and yeah. then if you use your bubble and know where that's at, that's another 10 or 15. You know, it's really rare, at least for me in a hunting situation, that something is as picture perfect as a tack shot. Like where something's stationary oh, and you yeah. have time to range and you have time to set up. It's like you have to practice at that stuff all summer to where you can be reactive of yeah. what's going on because like, Honestly, my that second shot I made was super instinctual. Yeah. I just felt super confident, and I'm like, okay, second pin right on. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to lead him a yeah. little bit, and you're For good sure. to go. I remember, like, growing when I was super young, still deer hunting, I would, like, miss opportunities just because I didn't, like, do them, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I always used to tell myself, like, just make it happen, make it happen. Find something where, you, you know, opening, 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 just, like, commit, you know, yeah. just make it happen, be instinctive. Because you get like, you like wait and you hesitate and you're waiting for like the perfect, you know, still broadside range, 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 yeah. change, shoot. Rarely does that happen. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, that was my biggest hang up years ago when, when a lot of people were already using the two pin sites. Yeah. I was like, I need to be more reactive than only two pins. I'm yeah. kind of in a, in a whitetail situation during the rut. Yeah. I'll definitely need multiple pins. Yeah. Like two pins isn't enough because things yeah. happen yeah, but way I think too a white fast. Tail, like you're 40 yards and in, like you can make, make do, I feel, with two pin. I don't know. And I mean, I've I, shot single pin on whitetails for like five or six years now. I you, really have You know when you can't make do is like people that are going crazy with how heavy of an arrow they're shooting right now. Yeah. Because yeah, like, like six hundred grains and crap. Yeah, yeah, people need to go out and shoot that thing yeah. at forty three yards when their sight set at forty, and see and realize on a white tail deer when you're you know you've got a seven and a half to an eight inch kill radius. Yeah, that's a lot. That's Fig- two. That's a yard and a half, and you're Dude, out of that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. A, a full step. It's like, you know, man, my arrow. My arrow blew through both of those animals, like yeah, well, you're drawing like also. nothing. And the second one, inches. I hit, I hit, I hit him back. I hit him back. He was quartering away from me. Yeah, my angle's a little different than the cameras, but he's quartering away. Yeah. So I came out like dead center through the liver. And yeah, I gotta uh, go to the restroom like really bad. Well, hold should on. Should we pause we'll, or should we wrap this up? No, we're gonna wrap. Okay, it this up. caffeine is pumping through me. <laughs> <laughs> I pounded that Red Bull on the way here, and then this, and I'm just like, let's go. All right. Well, the bottom line is, I favor large cut more so, like, because in hunting, it's never as perfect as attack. You practice at tack so that you can make as perfect of a shot as you possibly can. Right. But in hunting situations, like things happen fast. And you're not going to have perfect shots all the time. So in my opinion, I want equipment that's going to bail me out of things that happen. Right. You For agree? Sure. No, I agree. Cool. All right. Well, B, you got to get that, that D on. By dude, I got like, a cold, dude. <laughs> when I got a P, I got a P, folks. Uh, all right. Cool. Well, hey, Knock thanks on, for having dude, me on. And be real. Yeah, thanks for, sure, for coming. Be knocking.
<laughs> oh. Be sure to check out knockonarchery.com for our full line of custom designed products as well as free in-depth education and bow hunting entertainment to help you shoot at your best.